December the 3rd, 2021. We are into December, into the holiday season. Hope everyone is doing well. And we've got a loaded up episode of That's What G Said podcast for you. Where we're going to talk NFL Week 13 with Eric We've got a couple of the big racetracks that are opening up. The championship meet at Gulfstream Park opens on Friday. We've got Oaklawn Park opening up a little early this week. So we're going to go Friday, Gulfstream Best Bets. Friday, Oaklawn Best Bets. We get to Saturday. It is Claiming Crown card at Gulfstream Park. We get through some of the Saturday Gulfstream Park card. It is the Cigar Mile at Aqueduct. We hit on the four stakes races there. Races uh, uh, towards the end of the card, all four graded stakes. Then we get to Oakland for some best bets there. And then this week in wrestling, AEW, SmackDown, Raw, and NXT with Koopa Loop, Chad Cooper on this episode of That's What G Said. That is presented by Better Than Dot Vegas at BTV Bet. So go to Better Than Dot Vegas right now. Check out the website and you will see a big announcement. Kurt Angle. Yes, WWE Hall of Famer. Kurt Angle, Olympic gold medalist. Kurt Angle has joined the BTV team. He will be helping out with some of the live streams. He's going to talk some NFL playoffs with us, and we're going to do uh, post shows and some pre shows before some of the big wrestling events, likely the Royal Rumble and WrestleMania. So stay tuned for that over at BTV Bets on Twitter. Flip on those notifications every single day. They're doing different giveaways. They want to give you money, and now they have. Change the monthly showdown back to the weekly showdown. Every week, if you create an account and just post your wagers, you can actually make 250 bucks just for free. It doesn't cost you anything to enter. There's no entry fee. You just create an account, post some of your wagers. If you have the best week, you win. That's over at Better Than Dot Vegas. Kurt Angle, part of the BTV team. Before we get into our NFL Week 13 Matchups, previews with Eric. Have to let you know about drf.com slash sports. So you know about daily racing form. We'll talk a little bit more about them. They are that great source for horse racing information for your past performances. They've now branched over to sports. So with drf.com slash sports, you can get info for every single game and every single sport every day. There's a box score with a matchup before every game. That has incredible information. Tabs like the gambling insights. They're giving you betting angles. They're giving you a look at how the money has been moving. Who's been been betting. uh, Where the money's leaning each way. Trends. Past performances. uh, All sorts of team statistics. Everything that you probably use for your handicapping. It's all in one neat place. It's all free. Doesn't cost you anything. They have podcasts. Video information, you've heard Jack Fitzpatrick on this show many times over the last month. He does the social media stuff for DRF Sports over there, and it is incredible. It has become such a great tool for me in my handicapping. Whenever I'm handicapping the games that we talk about here with Eric, I always head to drf.com slash sports. I look at each matchup as I'm going through. I, I find a couple things that... I will, you know, they just kind of jump out at me. What is this? Oh, okay. Boom, boom. And you just, for me, when I'm putting together my information, I just kind of start real basic and I start just listing things for, I I do my rewatches of the games. And then for each game, I start listing things in the box score, listing things I've read in the blog, just for each team. And then I just kind of have all my information stacked up there throughout the week as I'm getting to my making, you know, creating my 
my hypothesis, you know, forming my opinion, drf.com slash sports. Check out DRF Sports. We are going to get in to some sports right now. We're going to get into NFL Week 13 with Eric. Game-by-game previews coming up. Kick back and enjoy. NFL Week 13. Time for our weekly segment, Eric Etop 2-1 Sports joins, and uh, we're going to do our game previews here. We're going to get you set up for every game coming up on Sunday and on Monday this week in NFL Week 13. Eric, uh, man, things are starting to take shape now. Uh, we're really starting to see the the playoff, uh, you know, the the playoff picture start to uh, to shape up, and these games are starting to get really, really huge now. Yeah, every game, the closer we get to that playoffs, you know, there's less margin of error, more value, possessions become more valuable, and uh, a couple teams have some key injuries starting to mount up. So this is, uh, even though it's a little bit of a dirty week, you know, I, I mm-hmm. see some spots. spots it's really, yeah, it's a gross week. It's for sure a gross week, and we love it. That, that's where we, we do our best sometimes, where we can we can get a, a feel for some of these gross teams as we jump right into it uh, with the Vikings and the Lions. Your Lions, Vikings are, so what are you seeing right now? It's in the seven range. Yep, right at seven. Uh, over under, it, uh, four, it's been bouncing like 46 and a half is what I've been seeing as of late, kind of bouncing around. Any, yeah, I have anywhere from um, from 46, like about 46 to 46 and a half, somewhere in that vicinity. And we've got the Vikings now at five and six, six and five against the spread. The Lions, oh, 10 and one, seven and four against the spread, though. Just covering machines, those Detroit Lions as... Uh, Goff finished last week. Remember, we saw them on Thanksgiving morning. 21 of 25, two touchdowns for 171 yards. Just kind of dinking and dunking. He, not a whole lot of passes deep down the field. He wasn't really aggressive enough to get a lot of explosive plays. And then what hurt the Lions is that Swift gets hurt early. So it's a lot of Williams who's fine, but Swift is the best player on your team. You know, and you lose him in a game where you're you're going to try to focus in on him. That ends up hurting. Lions still did cover that game. You'd imagine this week going to be a lot of uh, of Williams, who had uh, 15 carries last week and five catches. So I'm sure a lot of folks in DFS are probably going to be uh, heavy Williams. Offensive line hurt the Lions last week too, Eric, and that's usually uh, one of the better units of this team. They had six total penalties on the day, and that ends up hurting. The Lions had 10 penalties total. Thanksgiving Day was just brutal as far as penalties and and. All those games um, Only 239 yards on the 9 total drives So sort of an ugly game there for the Lions But low scoring, still able to cover Then on the Vikings side Cousins had his worst graded game Of the year by Pro Football Focus In fact, his last 2 games Are 2 of his worst uh, 2 of the 3 worst games of the year that he's had They're his 2 worst passing grades of the season One of the plays we were joking about Eric He lined up under the guard Yeah, It was, and it was it wasn't like a random play in the middle of a game when you're up or down 30 points. It was like, this was a big fourth down in like a one possession game. It was like a really tight game. And he, he lined up under the guard and the running backs got to come and tap him. And then they have to end up wasting a timeout right yeah. there. It was just a brutal. Yeah. I mean, the Vikings had every chance in that game. There's zero, zero excuse. They did have no. a couple injuries. You know, to the defensive line, and then and, Cook you know, went out. But. Yeah, but I mean, I really don't feel like. I mean, like, I don't think there's a big a difference between Cook and Madison's. Everyone else, no, does, me neither. Because it's it's the running system, and 
you know, Cook's his own running. And so he's going to, like, he's going to be Madison's his own runner, too. So he's going to do fine. I really, Madison I mean, is that, above replacement level for sure. Oh, he's for a sure. good back. It, and it, it, yeah. Cook is better, right? Like, Cook's a better all around player and he's pretty better catching the ball out of the backfield and all those kind of things. But Madison is it, of the backups in the entire league. He's the best one. Like, oh, it, sure. that's, and, that's not a backup. Like, Hunt, I don't even really consider a backup, but like, Madison is, is legit. Oh, yeah. I, he's, He's a great zone runner. I mean, like, the whole thing with football and, like, the skill players, especially running backs, it's all scheme-oriented. And, I mean, if you're a zone runner, you're going to succeed in that system. That's why I really don't have it at ground grade. I mean, for me, like, the Vikings do have some injuries on the defensive line, and that's the big key thing for me. Um, You know, and the penalties on New Year's Day, not New Year's Day, Thanksgiving Day you touched on, they were just awful. I mean, like, and props to Buck. Buck kind of called it out. He's like, no one's here to watch penalties. And I mean, it's really Raiders hard game, to yeah. assess both of those games because of it. I mean, in, in particular, more of the Raiders Cowboys game kind of coming out. Both of those teams had 14 penalties in that game. It was just brutal. It, it was a, it was an awful watch. Um, in terms of this game, like, you know, it's an interdivision game team, get interdivision, no game, excuse me, getting a touchdown. At home, I mean, I got to play the Lions here. I kind of lean toward the under there. Lions and Dan Campbell, they he called that play instead of calling to win the game. He he called that not to lose. I mean, everything was a draw, dink and dunk, inside run. I mean, what and what does it say about Anthony Lynn that Dan Campbell took over the play calling responsibility? Um, yeah, so the Lions are an offensive mess. I expect them just to grind the clock, get behind the offensive line. You know, keep it within seven, you know, just because of the issues that uh, Minnesota has on the defensive line. Yeah, the Vikings, they ran a kickback for a touchdown. That really helped keep them in the game last week. Those two turnovers end up, you know, costing them. We'll see what ends up happening here. At over seven, I'm starting to lean to the Lions to get up to seven and a half uh, in that range. Um, I'll, I'll play on the Lions. At seven, I'm still leaning Lions under a touchdown. I would stay away. As this feels sort of, even though it's a divisional game, it just sort of kind of feels like a flat spot for Minnesota, who feel who like they just came out of this honestly brutal stretch of their schedule that that they did probably better if you're just looking at that stretch. They did fine in it, but this is a really flat spot for them coming out of that stretch where they came out. They were playing in these big big games that felt like every week there was a lot at stake and now you got the the lowly lions here kind of a sleepy game so i yeah this I'm not, screams vikings 20 like 21 17 something right? like that you know With, what i mean like this screams yeah. the lions have the lead late in the game and the vikings have the ball driving to try to win or you know something like that exactly. just like you said uh totally yeah. agree gosh Feels like the Cardinals haven't played in forever and, and Kyler Murray definitely has not As we get to our, our next game The Cardinals are a 7.5 point favorite on the road Playing the Bears here Over under in this game 43.5 Cardinals are 9-2 and two on the year After a 2-1 and one stretch with Colt McCoy They are 8-3 and three against the spread The Bears are 4-7 and seven overall 4-7 and seven against the spread And okay Two separate things about this game Before we get into the gamble aspect of it Major props to, to Kingsbury you know, I rip him. I think we've ripped him and I don't I still think there are a lot of things as a coach that he does that you know, probably aren't the best and he may still end up being what cost them in a close game, in a tight game. But for him to have this team 9 and 2 right now with all the pieces that they've missed, 
you got to give him some credit for that. I mean, that has to start. You have to look at the top and start there. Like, if you would have said, oh, Kyler's going to miss three games, Hopkins is going to be banged up, you're going to be missing QB1, RB1, wide receiver one, uh, Watt's going to get hurt. Um, It's pretty impressive what they've been able to do so far. I mean, props are... For the props for props are due. I mean, the GM did a great job of building the team, you know, and getting suitable replacements if someone goes down. Um, and I really think my buddy Brad made a great comment. He goes, this is the first time Clinsbury's really had the offensive weapons he wants in mm-hmm. the system. And, I mean, the offense is, offense is looking great. Defense is playing better than I – I'm really not a fan of the wide nine system that they run because there's gaps and it puts a lot of pressure on the, the linebackers. But, you know – they're playing well, so I'll give credit where credit was due. But like you said, Murray hasn't played in about a month, so I expect him to be really rusty. Rusty, really have a lot of timing issues. I actually played this with the Bears plus eight. Um, I really like taking the Bears at home plus the points, and you know the fact that they competed and didn't completely just give up when all this Nagy stuff was going on. You know, tells me they're gonna. They're going to keep fighting and everything. So, you know, I like the Bears in it plus eight. You know, I got over a touchdown. I've expected Murray to have a little bit of rust, you know, just for not playing and to have some timing issue with his wide receivers. Completely agree. After I butter them all up, I'm playing against them. Yeah, and over a touchdown for sure. At the seven and a half or above, I think you take the Bears here at home. And just for the reasons you said, you hope that Kyler takes a little while to get things going. They're not trying to really... Unlock everything with him yet They're kind of going a little slow And through the motions with him They've built a nice little cushion now And the Rams have continued to struggle in the division So they're in a pretty good spot where where they are And I think that the Cardinals probably win this game But you, you could be up 14 here And even get the opportunity for uh, that late backdoor and, uh, yeah. and some garbage time So I think at over the touchdown You, you gotta lean the Bears here And, and I mean like the, with the way the Bears like to play I mean Cardinals are 24th DVOA Bears, you know, they're gonna like to ground the Round the ball and shorten the shorten the game, and you know I think they'll be able to run the ball and move it effectively here. Let's move along to the third game. A uh, couple teams last week: the Vikings were one, and the Eagles were another. That they were building momentum, and gosh, they just laid an egg. They just laid an egg, and and you know it was a combination of things last week for the Eagles. They're a seven point favorite this week against the Jets, so it's a good spot to come. You know, try to get right, but it wasn't as if they had the toughest spot in the world last week. Playing against the Giants uh, They're a 7 point favorite This game is a 45 total right now And The Eagles had been so good Eric we were talking about it It took about 4 or 5 weeks But then they finally hooked us Because they were doing something And they were just sticking to it They were running 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 And for some reason they sort of got away From doing that so They ran the ball well uh, 6.3 yards per carry 208 yards They had 33 carries compared to 31 dropbacks That doesn't seem like the ratio That they want And it was weird because They were never down big It was 10 to nothing at the at the most It was a, a close game It wasn't like they needed to abandon the run Hertz ends up going 14 for 31 129 yards 3 interceptions He had by far his worst game of the season Graded by Pro Football Focus Just one big time throw Three turnover worthy plays He was off target all game And what made it really difficult was Two of the interceptions came After really long drives 10 plays, 54 yards Interception 15 plays, 92 yards Interception They got nothing 
on those. They didn't score a point through three quarters. They only at that point Hertz only had seventy three yards passing and three interceptions. You know, um, so he may not even play. I mean, he's banged up. There's there's yeah. some talk that that Minshew may play. Um, yeah, I was really disappointed with the Eagles. I'm very invested. You know, I have them to win the East. I have them to win to make the playoffs. I have them to make the Super win the Super Bowl. I'm really invested. Um, I rewatched the game, and the reason for their lack of running was their center Kelsey got hurt, and their backup Nate Herbie came in. Herbie was called for holding. I added it up on 41 yards of Jalen Hurts rushes, 41 yards came back because of Herbie holding. And there was a Boston Scott 21 yard touchdown run that came back because he was holding. So, I mean, that's one touchdown and 62 yards all in holding penalties. Um, and they were in position Rieger dropped two touchdown passes. Um, so dropped and the one, and then yeah. there was the, the one, they kind of did weird clock. It was at the end of the half where the the clock management was a little bit weird down there too. It was a little funky. Like they took their timeout and then they kind of or they ran and then they kind of were forced to take the timeout right afterwards. And then he kind of was forced into a bad throw. It was they had their opportunities, man. It was that felt like just a really like they, that was early in the season. Eagles because that just felt like a game they where had, just yeah. one or two plays, you know, one or two plays. Yeah. The offensive I mean, line right. played well. Defensive line played well. It was mainly just the turnovers. Rager and, and Rager, I was looking at looking it up. You mentioned he's been awful this year. Awful. He has twenty five catches on forty five targets, Jesus. and and some of that is hurts. But dude, he's just been awful. Yeah. Yep. So yeah. how do we? How but do I we mean, play? Like, for me, what, for okay, me, go ahead. Like, yeah. I, it comes down to a is hurts playing or not. B is what's going on with Kelsey. Because, I mean, like, one touchdown, 62 yards rushing, that's the game right there. If Kelsey doesn't get hurt, they win that game. Um, For me, I really want to take the Eagles, but there's a lot of question marks. I hate laying points in the road, but under a touchdown, I'm tempted on the Eagles. But I have better spots I like more, so this game is a pure pass for me. A couple things on the Jets, who they won last week in that beautiful battle of the Jets and the Texans. They did have more first downs, more total yards, yards per play. Won the time of possession by over seven minutes. Wilson returned. He only threw the ball 24 times, 14 of 24, 145 yards and a pick. Didn't really look confident. Didn't try to push the ball down the field. Um, only 21 of, 21% of his attempts traveled beyond the first down marker. So it's a lot of dinking and dunking from them. Tried to they tried to run the ball a lot, thirty four times, one hundred and fifty seven yards, four point six yards per carry. A lot of Tevin Coleman. He had sixteen carries for sixty seven yards. Yeah, I don't really have a a strong opinion one way or the other in this game. Like you said, we'll talk more about this game on Sunday morning on uh, fourth and inches, and we'll have a better idea of you know what the uh, the injuries are, are going to look like and if uh, if hurts and what Philly will uh, will look like heading into this game. So let's move to Colts Texans. Colts played. Pretty well again last week I mean every one of their games that you look at Even in their losses Their losses have come to good teams And and in situations where they probably could have won They're a 10 point favorite on the road here Um, Gosh Houston is ugly man Houston is ugly We've had Houston a couple times And they covered and won a few weeks ago Against the Titans But we've had Houston a couple times this year Eric Where the spots were just Fantastic Everything was great about the spot that we were That we got And Houston just could not do anything And this 
Last week was another one where it was just so disappointing the effort that they put forth. Um, I mean, it was, oh God, that game was a hard rewatch. There is that play that is on the kid's name, number 90. I mean, like he got a, what was it, a leaping penalty that extended a drive after a field goal. And then he got another penalty that gave him a first down. And like those two penalties and the Jets took the lead. They just didn't look back. I mean, they got up to a 14, three lead. I mean, they were, they were rocking. My buddy Brad told me to stay away from the game. He said it was a sharp trap. And I was talking shit to him through text messages. And <laughs> next thing you know, like he's 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 like he's sending me messages just saying I told you so. Um, yeah, that was a disappointing effort. Um, it's kind of funny though. Like you look at Texas's DVOA, and I'm a huge Lovey Smith guy. Like I think Lovey Smith got a real raw deal here in Chicago. I think he got a raw deal in Tampa. I think he got a raw deal in Illinois. I think that wherever this guy goes, he takes less talented people and make some better off the top of your head. If you had to guess where Texas was in defensive DOA DVOA, where would you guess? Oh, you would think right towards the very, very bottom. Yeah. They're eight. Yeah. Which you is know, just the past defense is six, which is like, and he has awful people playing defense. I mean, this guy can flat terrible. out. Um, the thing about the Colts, um, like watching that Colts game, I don't understand why they didn't give Jonathan Taylor the ball. I understand I know, that Tampa is like a great run team or what great run defense, but he's your best player. You have to give your best player the ball. At and one point, the thing, they called twenty four straight passes. Yeah, twenty four in a row. They were up by ten, and then all of a sudden they're down by seven. He didn't get a touch from. He got 70% of his rushing yards in the fourth quarter. He didn't get a touch between like the second quarter and then. It was bizarre. It was really, really weird. And and that hurt them, man. That was such a, another winnable game for them. They had more total plays, more total yards, more yards per play. They won the time of possession. Five turnovers, six penalties yeah. for 66 yards. They're up 24 to 14 to start the second half. Fumble gives the... Uh, Tampa a touchdown interception gives Tampa another touchdown. All of a sudden they're down twenty eight to twenty four. Wentz then, turned back in he turned into back Wentz. into a pumpkin. Back and he pumpkin. he does this. He's been so Wentzy the last month month and a half. He ha- he will have these stretches like the second quarter. So he had he had three touchdown passes in the second quarter, and and but then both of his interceptions in the second half. So he averaged only 5.5 yards per attempt in the second half. He averaged 9.3 in the second quarter. It's like he goes nuts and awesome, and then he he goes back. It's like, where did this come from? They also muffed a punt, which gave Tampa a field goal. And they just couldn't. Like you said, it was so weird. I don't know why they went away from it. Kaler had 16 carries for 83 yards, 5.2 yards per carry. But they passed the ball 44 times. That's never a success for them. And it's kind of like I, I'm flashing back to the game when they played at Tennessee and Jonathan Taylor at 10 t- touches. You know, that's a must-win game. Second game against Tennessee way back when. And Carson Wentz has like two sprained ankles and your best player gets 10 touches. I mean, Wright will go through these things where he has just like these weird like play-calling stuff happen and it just doesn't make sense to me. Um, I, my, I, I'm fading the Colts. They're coming off an emotional game. A game they should have won. They blew a double digit lead. Um, and it's their, you know, they're playing, they're laying a dub, double digits on the road. I locked the Texans in. 
And of course, you know, I like the home dogs. I sprinkled on the money line here. I just feel like it's a good spot, you know, to kind of like, you know, throw a little cheddar on the Colts. No, the Colts. Me, the Texans. Offensive line struggled last week, giving up 15 pressures. Four starters gave up at least three pressures each. You talked about the, uh, the defense for the Texans, which is not that bad. Uh, they it, they're a tough team, and I, and I might get in here too um, at over ten. I'll, I'm gonna I'm gonna wait for it. I'm sure, I think it'll probably pop up. Um, See, yeah, I took the nine just because like it dipped down to eight and a half, and, a and you weren't months. sure. I panic! I panic. One of my books fell the nine. I locked it in at nine. So yeah, I that was the nine, that's... and I like like a three. Like I think I had like three thirty or plus three forty on the money line. You know, I just I don't know. Like I just have a feeling like you know this is no. It's be, a total like, flat spot yeah. for them because it's another situation where they played. Every game they've played so far this year has been against a team that was pretty good. Yeah. Every game. Yeah. And so now they're going to play against a really flat, in a really flat spot. They, you know, the Texans had 45 total yards in the second half last week. Uh, Tyrod was 17 for 26. He had two touchdowns, an interception, two carries for 30 yards rushing. He was pressured on, see, that was, that's what hurt, you know, and that's what hurts them. He, he was pressured on 10 of 26 dropbacks. And uh, so it's yeah, you're not able to, to nothing's able to develop there. They only had 13 total first downs, 202 total yards on 11 drives, 3.7 yards per play. They did end up going six of 14 on third down and one of two on fourth down. Ran the ball 24 times, 96 yards, four yards per carry, but 30 of those came from Taylor on a uh, a 30 yard run. But this is the thing with them, man. There is so much bad coaching in the NFL, Eric. So. There was there was a fourth and ten at the Jets thirty seven, and they're down eighteen to fourteen. They're down by four, and they try a field goal from fifty five yards. It makes zero sense. So yeah, it's like it you either it's a it's a low low percentage field goal that if you hit you're still down. If you don't want to go for it because it's fourth and ten at that spot, I, I get it. Then you can punt it. That's fine. But don't why are you kicking a 55 yard field goal when you're down when you need a touchdown if you want to punt it and pin them back and then it's nothing about that you just it scratch zero sense it, it, just, it absolutely makes zero sense I mean Texans <laughs> like I said like big Lovey Smith every other coach besides Lovey Smith is a complete moron on that Polly that's Polly you know uh, that there and yeah. it's just uh, flat spot for the Colts let's see if uh, Houston can keep it close here. We move along to Chargers versus the Bengals. Is this up to three or is it in the two and a half range still now? Is it? I actually it, locked it in at three. Okay, so it's Bengals minus the three. And the uh, Chargers on the road plus three. Over under in this game is 50 and a half. So you got the Chargers who yep. are now six and five, five and six against the spread. And Herbert threw two big picks last week. One of them was a really bad pass. One of them was tapped and it really wasn't his fault, but the both of the interceptions ended up costing. And their offense is it's just weird. They they don't take enough sh- shots. They're not you were sniffing this out really early in the year too. They're not very good on first and second down, which is weird, and they're not very efficient and then they force themselves to do a little too much on third and fourth down and Herbert because he's really good, he gets them out of that a lot of the time. But you can't always count on that. You can't always just expect him to make a huge play on third and seven or third and nine or you know a big uh, a low percentage down like that. And they they got to figure something out because um, they're not you know 
What's what's tough with them? So, in the most basic sense, they don't move the ball down the field at a quick pace, right? They don't drive. I think they're well coached, but they don't drive with you know uh, speed, no huddle. They're not moving at a fat like they're not taking big strikes. And then what ends up happening is they're not taking big strikes. They have a the dead last, the absolute worst special teams in the entire league, and they have the absolute worst run defense in the entire league. So what ends up happening is the Chargers are shortening the game because of the way they play on offense. And then on defense, they can't stop anybody running the ball and they can't get off the field. And then they can't kick field goals or their special teams are horrible on all on all sides. And so now like their margin for error has become so tiny on the offensive end that if they make one mistake, they're screwed. And they they now all that being said, in this game, in this spot, I like I, I think I like the Chargers and I will probably lock them in, but they definitely have some things they gotta work on, Eric, because they they have not looked very good for a few weeks now. It's more than just like a one bad week. They're they're it look they just have some noticeable problems. They were they were having so much success on third down and fourth down. It's just regressing back to the norm. Uh, Lombardi's not being aggressive as going for it in um in fourth down. He's actually punting the ball a little bit more. Um, and then also like it goes back like my old man my old man hated Lombardi when Lombardi was the offensive coordinator for the Lions. And he's just like, this is a Lombardi thing. Lombardi's not that good of an OC. He's not that good of a play designer. Not that good of a play caller. So, um, yeah, they definitely got some offensive issues. But I just feel like we're getting the Bengals. The Bengals are coming off killing the Pittsburgh Steelers. Everyone's seeing that it was 41 to 10. I just think this number is just a little bit inflated. I think it should be close to, like, a pick'em. And um, basically for the Chargers, like, this is pretty much a must-win for them. Like, I, I hate to say it, but... If they don't win this game, they're going to be up Shit's Creek. So I definitely, you know, I like the uh, the Chargers in a plus three. A couple other notes uh, on this game. So, yeah, last week the Chargers won the time of possession, but they had nine penalties, 75 yards, two turnovers, pick six interception. They had this is this is what kills. They had drives of 60, 61 and 52 yards that ended on a turnover on downs, a missed field goal and an interception. That's exactly what I was talking about, where they move the ball. But the problem is they don't do it very quickly. And if they don't score a touchdown on their drive, then they flip the ball over to another team. And if you're just competent running the ball, you're going to be able to hold the hold the ball for a little while yourself and pick up at least a couple first downs and then shorten the game. So that's something they have to work on. I do love their uh, head coach and, and, and what he can do defensively. So I think that's something he has to has to improve on. Because Denver ran the ball for 147 yards on 4.5 yards per carry last week, 37 carries. And they allowed 108 yards rushing in the first half, eight first downs via the rush. And it's just one of those key where the Chargers didn't look very good. The Bengals did look awesome. Because a lot of the stuff I'm going to say about the Bengals is really good. And that just means they're a tad overvalued, like you said. This is probably a line that should be closer to a pick 'em. Maybe you want to say Bengals minus one or something because of them being at home. It shouldn't be up to a full field goal. And if it is no. and you see it anywhere at a field goal or above, I think you probably want to jump in on the Chargers. Some some just props to give to our boy B Ho's Bengals. They beat up the Steelers forty one to ten. Burrow was sharp. He actually he had one bad interception. 
But other than that, he actually was graded number one on the week with passing grade by Pro Football Focus. 20 for 24, 190 yards and a touchdown. Mixon was awesome. 28 run, uh, rushes, 165 yards, two touchdowns, 5.9 yards per carry. He also had four receptions, didn't do very much with those, only totaled uh, negative two. They scored 21 points. Go ahead. Oh, no, go ahead with your thing. No, because they, they scored 21 points in the second quarter, and they were up 31 to three. I mean, my thing is, I look at it like this. A, do you trust Zach Taylor? I mean, like I said, there's certain coaches that I don't trust. No, not in these. Zach Taylor. And nope. I mean, like, you look at um, Nixon's production. Last two games, he's gone over 100 yards. Before that, the last game he went over 100 yards was week one. I mean, he's last two games, he's had 30 and 28 carries. I mean, before that, his highest was... 29 in week one and then he had one 20 yard carry in week two against the bears everything else has been in the mid-teens or there's one game i think that was 18 so i mean like is taylor really gonna recognize that and run the ball you know i I think it's by accident honestly i think what ended up what just sort of happened by accident was people started paying so much attention to chase that everything else opened up a little bit because chase has been he's come back to life the last few weeks but we saw higgins because you know now there's double looks or people are all like oh, we got to stop chase we got to stop chase now there's more room for mixing i agree with you i don't i don't like usually playing the bengal's as a favorite i like playing the bengal's as a dog in in that in that situation and the one cuz i totally agree with you on taylor i think the jury is still out on him there are a lot of things i don't think he does all that well but the one thing i will give them major credit for and this is what you have to do at the very least if you're a young new coach or if you're a team that is fighting for for you know playoff spots, you're fighting for you know in big games. They have the least amount of penalties in the entire league, the least amount per game, just three point nine penalties per game, and the least amount of penalty yardage per game, just thirty two point eight penalty yards per game. And they are way ahead of who's of the second. The team with the the second most is forty one point nine. So they are nine yards. Less of penalty yardage per game A whole like extra full 10 yard penalty less um, Per game than everybody else So at the least they're a clean Football team in, in close games that Should generally help them but man They're they're coming off of Games like this when anytime you come You have a team coming off of a game like this Where they just beat up someone They beat up a team that they're it, It's emotionally how how pumped And hyped were they to sweep the freaking Steelers here They outscored Pittsburgh by 45 points In their two meetings this year That was their biggest margin of victory In any season in the 52 years These teams have played yeah. And like <laughs> I hate to break it to Pittsburgh fans That trend's going to continue for a while It will They're going to be in some trouble But but I mean Burrow does make some costly mistakes like, He does like, you know, he, oh, he does yeah. make some the some bonehead throws and you know I just kind of I don't know like I feel like this is such a must win game for the Chargers to kind of get their season back in track get in the playoffs that you know they're we're gonna get a great effort for them and you know the line lines just inflated so the Bengals for a team that's been playing good and has a couple big wins on they don't really stack up high in in a lot of the advanced metrics and in DVOA. And it's sort of because I was, I was reading into it. There was a, a good article on Football Outsiders that said it's because they've played in, and you've hit on this in a few of our uh, fourth and inches conversations. Their offense isn't really that great. It's it's 
average. It, it may look you think of it as really good because they have a lot of weapons, and and that makes it very moving forward. That makes it a uh, a tough offense to defend. Maybe, maybe you know if Mixon's moving and you got everybody back and you have some weapons, that makes it a little bit. But they have played an easy schedule. They have 5.8 yards per play, which ranks 11th. Their success rate is 14th in the NFL. They have 15 turnovers, which ranks 17th. So they've done all of those things, which are you know, 11th, 14th, and 17th against the easiest schedule of opposing defenses in the league. So that by just by that metric, they're average. On the defensive side, they've allowed a 42% success rate, which is seventh in the NFL, and uh, they're I think 19th in turnovers against, 14th strength of schedule on defense. Um, so their defense is good, but not great. So that's where they stack up about. That's why they're not a little bit better in some of those advanced metrics. And maybe a team that will kind of regress a little. They're they're probably not quite as good as some of their really good wins look. And they're not as bad as losing to the Jets, you know, but they're they're somewhere, you know, in the middle of that, probably a little bit more than an average football team. Yeah. I mean, you look at it with the weapons they have on offense, they should not be what is what is their DVOA? Like twenty four? I just had it in front of me. They, their DVOA is way too low with this stuff. Yeah, and uh, their offensive DVOA is twenty-one, which doesn't yeah. seem like it makes a whole lot of sense. And they're they're stacked behind the two teams in their def- in their division, Baltimore and Cleveland. Overall DVOA, they're they're those two are up at thirteen and fourteen. So you look at Cincinnati and some of the teams that they're kind of around. You feel like they're probably better than them, but uh, including the the Raiders team that they beat not long ago. Um, we'll see what the Bengals can do. A huge, huge game this weekend for these two teams right in the playoff picture. And we continue along to where we're going. Bucks and Falcons. We've got Tampa as a an eleven point favorite on the road playing the Falcons. This one is fifty and a half here. And isn't it been amazing how much it, it's okay? It's not as if Atlanta looked good, right? I'm not gonna say they looked great or anything. But Patterson coming back just gave them a weapon that they needed. 16 carries, 108 yards, two touchdowns, couple receptions for 27 yards. Other than that, they had one receiver with over three catches. They and really a lot of the advanced or a lot of like the metrics, if you look in the box score and stuff for this game, it's kind of deceiving because the Falcons got up 21 to three and they sort of just coasted there. Um, but yeah, they the Falcons with that win, they are. Five and six, and they are right back in the the mix for the playoffs. As uh, we head over to Tampa, lots of short passes last week for Brady. Seventy four percent completion percentage, two hundred twenty seven yards. Sixty two percent of his passes were short of the sticks, and he finished twenty five for thirty four. And we found out earlier today he's going to be without Brown. How many games is he suspended for? Three and like three. How like what an I like what an idiot. What like, an idiot. Just, I'm sorry. Just, just what an idiot. Like, like, it doesn't, I don't, this has nothing to do with your whole vaccination status, right? If you want to be vac- vaccinated or not, that's a different story. I'll tell you if I think you're stupid or not for that at a different time. But I don't understand how you can get a fake you, card. Like, you make the, the fake card and then you go out and you're telling other people about it, you know, acting cool. You know, it's going to get back to you because you're not the most liked person out there. And then you try to act like, who knows what's really happened, but th- what we found out about this guy is, man, is he worth it? 
is he honestly even worth it anymore at this point? Like the guy's really good on the field and stuff, but if you're Tampa and you got you got all the nice pieces around, I know he's been really good this year when he's been on the field, but I, I just wouldn't want to deal with him, man. No, he's just a pain in the ass, and it pays me to say this. Like, like literally, like my dad knows the guy. Like, well, like from like when he played at CMU, but. You know, it just pains me to say it. The guy's a fucking dumbass, dude. The guy is a fucking dumbass. Like, <laughs> and it's like anything like you tell him to do, he that he needs to do, he just won't do. No. And like you look at it, it's fucking freed against vaccinated. But I think I read he's costing himself like a half a million dollars by being yep. suspended. You know, and like, dude, like, just be upfront. Like, you're right. It's your choice. I personally, I don't care. One of my best friends in the world. He didn't get vaxxed. I decided to get vaxxed, you know, and it's has interrupted our friendship. But he just, but he just lied that. to a, he just lied you to know, a lot of people and could have possibly yeah. put a lot of them in jeopardy, it's man. Just, it's just not cool at fucking all what nope. he did. Um, looking at the offense, the offense doesn't produce as good a numbers when he's not there. That's, they don't. That's one of the things. No, Brady's numbers aren't as good on the road. Um, watching that game, like the offense really didn't look that good it needed like what was there like three pass interferences in the end zone that short that gave Fournette the short field for three of his four touchdowns um and honestly they shouldn't they shouldn't have covered that game you know what Fournette busted that late run at the end to give him a touchdown with a couple seconds left um five turnovers from Indy we talked about the like and this is like the second time a team has played against each other um you're giving me a home dog you're giving me a game a team that has their second game on the road, who hasn't played well on the road, in an interdivision game. I love the Falcons here. I took them plus the 11. I sprinkled a little bit on the money line. Also, can we talk a little bit about Arthur Smith? I really think Arthur Smith, once he gets his, like, weapons, he's going to have this offense. He's going to make Atlanta a thing. He turned Cordell Patterson legitimately into something. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, he, like, this guy has done nothing at all in the league. And this guy has turned him. This guy's gonna. Patterson's gonna make a fucking all. all, all what are they called? Pro Bowl. They still have that. I don't know. Yeah. if they Got rid of I that. Know, I know. All he, pro at but least. He, but yeah. But he he turned him into something. I mean, like yeah. this guy is a legitimate coach, and like you know, they just don't have the talent to compete. But they're definitely headed, you know, in the right direction. I like the Falcons here to stay within the number, and I'll sprinkle on the money line as well. I'm probably staying away. Um, Fournette, you mentioned the monster game he had last week. 17 carries, 100 yards. He had 31 yards receiving, career-high four touchdowns. And he had uh, eight rushes for a first down. All of his attempts gained positive yardage. That's a pretty good stat. And the final touchdown was his third run of the night over 10 yards. All seven um, or uh, all of his possible catches were caught for two first downs. And... He Brady didn't have any big time throws for the first time since week six. Uh, he did his, have his fifth turnover worthy play over the last four weeks, so he's kind of going through a little bit of a lull. Gronk, seven of nine, t- uh, seven catches on nine targets, 123 yards, four receptions. He went over uh, 15 yards on six of his catches, and they were uh, four receptions over 15 yards, and six were for first downs. So, nice game from Gronk, the big target back, but on the road, they haven't been quite as good. That's just a lot. I just this to me is a stay away. There are other games on the board I like a little more. Let's move to Giants Dolphins. Miami is a four point favorite now at home. Here, this game is down to forty and a half for the total. Giants a four point 
dog on the road So they shut out the Eagles last week through the first three quarters Giants win a game where they only had 264 total yards But they did win the time of possession by four minutes in that game And really Eric, we you know we talked about it from the Eagles side a little earlier It was a clean game and that's why they won No turnovers for the Giants Two penalties for 15 yards Philly turned the ball over four times Had four penalties That's the difference in the game And if the Giants would have had a turnover or two They probably don't win that game So Jones who wasn't flashy Zero turnover worthy plays 19 for 32 202 yards and a touchdown They didn't try to push the ball down the field all that much Just six passes more than 10 yards down the field They only ran for 70 yards And four first downs Barkley had 13 carries for 40 yards Jones had 9 carries for 30 Overall the team just 2.6 yards per carry On 27 carries So that's on the Giants side They are uh, the 4 point dog here Do you have any opinion in this game? I like the Giants here I mean I think the Giants defense is playing at an elite level Um, Their one big hole is they 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 funnel everything to the run game, and the Dolphins really don't have that dominant of a running game. They have a god awful offensive line, one of the worst ones in the league. And I really think, like I know, Tua has played great over the last three or four games, but none of those passes are traveling beyond ten yards. He's still a dink and dunk passer. Um, I just I just like the the Giants in the spot. The reason I haven't locked it in yet is I don't know what's going on in the quarterback position. It came out that Jones has a strained neck. Um, it bloomed up to five and then he practiced the last couple of days, dipped back down to four. So five or four, I don't care. I really don't have that big of a difference between Glennon and Jones in terms of like points. So I'll be on the giants. I'm just hoping I get a five and hoping Mike Glennon plays. couple things to mention on the dolphin side. So they're up to five and seven now and six, five and one against the spread. And I don't think he's great or anything, but we will. I will say that Tua over the last three weeks has been the 15th ranked football, uh, quarterback by Pro Football Focus on passing grade. He's actually really ranked 12th because three of the guys ahead of him are like on really super limited snaps. So in the month of November, Tua is first in completion percentage. He is uh, eight uh, with 80.5, fourth in passer rating, second in yards per attempt, and tied for first with in win percentage. Last week, an adjusted 87.1 completion percentage. And uh, 7.3 yards per attempt The defense has really been playing well They they give him a nice floor Because they've only allowed 10 They've allowed 10 points or less Three of the last four weeks Defensive line had three sacks, four hits And 23 total pressures last week And uh, the DVOA rankings You can look at the individual week rankings And the Dolphins have finished third and fifth in the last two weeks in individual DVOA rankings They've been playing some of the best football in the league Their defense was graded with the best game of the year In week 12 by Pro Football Focus The pass rush got their best game of the year Didn't really matter in that game They gotta run the ball better Man, they only 2.8 yards per carry On 39 carries For over 111 yards They really did dominate in every way uh, More first downs, total plays Total yards Yards per play, won the time of possession by over 15 minutes. They're playing some good football right now. But I over- think last games like had had more to do with the holes that the Panthers have. Absolutely. Offensively and the their offensive line is was then they bad. got then, yeah, then they had some turnovers and like that's not the green script that the Panthers need to come back to win a game. Nope. Have can be Chuck on the ball. So I think that game just got a little bit off the rails. And then, Very much agree. You this, know, that they really a little too much. Anyone. And then you look at overall DVOA, 
Giants have a better overall DVOA grade than us. I this, mean, Dolphins are still only 26 DVOA. At over a field goal, I'm, I, it's, it's Giants for me. Yeah. At, yeah. At, at, at anything over the field goal, it would be Giants for me. Because I think this just smells like a close, kind of ugly game between two teams that aren't that great. Um, so I'm leaning Giants in here. I probably will lock this one in um, in the, uh, the next uh, day or so. Let's get to Jags versus the Rams. Uh, man, the Rams are playing really poor right now. What's up with your boy Stafford, man? Looking like well, some of those Lions games. He, I think he's hurt, though, he, honestly. He, 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 he hasn't looked this bad playing for Detroit. I'm just going to be straight up. And um, I mentioned it to you like when you and I were talking about like how Cooper Cup is number one in red zone and um, Robert Woods is number four. and They don't have anybody like in the top 20 of like red zone carries for running backs. And that's normally my favorite thing. So I went back and looked at um, just the rushing attempts per game Um, through 2017 to 2020. It was 28 a game, 28 a game, 25 a game. That was, that was the year after the Super Bowl when Gurley was really banged up. Um, And then last year was 29 a game this year, 23 rushing attempts a game. So it's significantly less than what McVay has done. And, um, you know, again, this is the only year this year, plus the year that Gurley was really banged up, that they he's not averaging significantly over 100 yards rushing a game. His first year as a coach, 122. Second year, 139. The year where Gurley was banged up, 93. Last year, 126. This year, they're only averaging 95 yards a game. What McVay is and the offensive is based on, is it's all running game, and he's just not running the ball. It's like he got this new toy in Stafford and is trying to change everything that the team is. You still have to be able to run the ball in this offense, and he's just not running the ball enough at all. Let's get to a couple other things about this game. So on the Jag side, man, Lawrence is, is not look good, Eric, and, and it's not like he was playing against a fantastic defense last week either in Atlanta. He was 23 for 42, 228 yards, a touchdown, and an interception. And it, I don't, you know, it's it's hard with someone like him because I'm not, I don't want to put it solely on him because Herb is a joke. You know, the, his head coach, the guy who's prepping him this year is is a joke, but he is just not look good. I, I mean, and I wanted to see how bad so far this year of every quarterback to take a snap by pro football focus rankings and grades, he is number 40. Six ranked of everybody that's taken a snap this year. He's below Sam Darnold in how he's been graded in in the entire he year. He just doesn't develop. I mean, I said it on the fourth and inches. Like you watch him every time. Like when there's a whole field, it's easier for the quarterback to kind of read what's going on when the when the field gets shrunk into like the red zone. There's a lot of information and everything to digest and everything. And he's just looking at his first read. And then he's just running. That's it. That tells that that's all you need to know about him not developing, him not coaching. And, you know, there's just zero coaching. Like the best thing that can happen for him is Meyer to leave because this this kid is on a path to going down as the biggest draft bust in NFL history if Meyer stays there. And, you know, you look at them and they they should just run the ball 50 times. Honestly, their rushing DVOA is five. They ran the ball well again, 25 carries, 141 yards, five yards per carry. Robinson had 17 carries, 86 yards. They should just start running the ball and then 
only stop running the ball if they're down by 21. Because right yep. now, and I know they want to develop him, but right now all that he's doing is just bad habits. He's he's he has looked so bad. Um, they had 300 last week. They had 357 total yards. They gained 155 of them on their final three drives when they were down 21 to three, and it was just out of reach and total garbage time. Um, they're and I, you know, I will say this though, the Jigs defense better than people think, and, mm-hmm. they switched, and they're good against the run. Yeah. Yep, they switch. They're playing a little bit more zone. You know, if they the defensive line can get to Stafford. My buddy Brad lot the Jays, and he's high on the Jays this week. I just can't do it. I just don't trust Urban Meyer at all. Um, so I mean, that's I don't have the balls enough to lock in the Jays at this big of a number. But one of the guys who taught me basically everything I know, he's high on the Jays, and he locked him in. So I mean, I just I just don't have the balls to pull the trigger on the bet, to be honest. Yeah, I don't think I can, and I. I mean, I'm I'm worried about the Rams. I do think that they will. This is a good spot for them to to bounce back and try to get right because they're they're coming off of games that they lost. So I don't think they're going to necessarily come into this game and take it lightly. I think they're going to try to fix some of the things they had, but because they need fixing. Stafford was 21 for 38. Three touchdowns and an interception. Interception was a pick six. He threw a pick six for the third consecutive week. And he had seven third down passes. The only completion was a 79 yard touchdown to Van Jefferson on a post route. Now you were talking about the backs, their early production. It's not good. Three yards per carry on 11 early down attempts. And overall, the team finishes with 20 total carries for 68 yards, 3.4 yards per carry on the first drive. The Rams ran the first two plays, picked up a first down run, ran, ran first down with Henderson. Short pass to Henderson, so three straight touches to start. And it was second and six, then they went incomplete pass, incomplete pass, and then a punt. They were actually running the ball okay right away, and then they kind of went away from it, and then they they just couldn't get back to any early down success on the run either. Second possession, Henderson runs for six yards, then it's second and four, Stafford gets sacked, fumbled, Green Bay recovers, three plays, six yards later, they score a touchdown at 7 nothing. Rams third drive Down 7-0 on their own 29 I I text you that It's like what the hell is McVay doing Yeah What is he doing They it, It's 7-0 it's on their own 29 It's 4th and 1 and the Rams go for it And they get stopped yep. And Green Bay is already in field goal range They didn't even move the ball And they kicked a field goal So Green Bay scores 10 points In those 2 drives To score those 10 points They went a total of nine yards. They got another 10 points. So they get uh, get another seven for the pick six that Stafford throws later in the game. So that's 17 points that the Rams just kind of gifted them. You're not going to win games when that happens. And I've been really disappointed with McVay because I've picked up on this for a while, but he's a really good football coach and he's really bad at the fourth down decision making. He's really conservative. He is ranked 25th by the critical call index. How about that? He's super conservative. I mean, and and then he goes for that fourth down and one on his own 29 in the first. That was insane. That was a total panic move. And like, here's the thing. Like my, another one of my friends, I think I may have told you the story. He, he's been, God, I think he's been to like 16, 17 Super Bowls. And he's told me some, insane stories like one like how 
Patricia got turned away from the Patriots Super Bowl party because the doorman thought he was a homeless man, which is hilarious because he got hired as the Lions coach the next day. But uh, um, he said the only person, the only coach he's ever seen out before the actual game was McVay having a steak dinner with his wife. I mean, that to me, that blows my mind. You know, it's the biggest game ever, and, like, you're out at dinner with your wife. I just, I don't know. That just doesn't make sense, and that spoke a lot to me about McVay. Well, I don't think, it's funny, he, you you talk to him and you hear the things that, he's he's a machine. Like, he knows everything, he can, he can pick up plays, and he can, his memory is great. It's just, some of these newer coaches, and, and we, we were giving him praise earlier, Kingsbury does this too. And Staley is at least a little bit more consistent about going for it, but they're a little wonky with some of the the, the decision making too. You know, you kind of think of them like, oh, okay, new school, like new age, younger coaches, so they'll be a little more aggressive with their decision making. And with with Cliff and with McVay, they're not. Staley is a little more, but I think for him, sometimes it comes down to the fact that they've just got such a crappy special teams that he really has no choice. Um, so yeah, they. I mean, this is a big, big game for the Rams. They're starting to struggle. They're down to seven and four. They're four and seven against the spread. And they even got the benefit of a muffed punt last week, and they were only able to get a field goal off of that. So Rams need and to play. defense, like, they're, like, they lost a lot of guys, man. You know what I mean? And, like, they kind of, like, couple Rams, of the, couple went to the like, Browns. That's yeah. star position. He's playing more closer up to the line. He's not really shadowing everybody. I just don't understand. Like, when you have someone that talented, like, just, like, Take somebody away. You know what I mean? Like, what are you like doing? Like, just take someone away, lock someone down. You got Donald, you got Von Miller. You know, it's just, I don't know. Like, the whole thing, what they're doing just doesn't make any sense to me at all. We move along to the Washington football team and the Raiders. And the Raiders are a two and a half point favorite in this game. Over under is 49 and a half. Let's talk a few things on the Washington side. So Washington, they played really well again last week, and the 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 the, the, the score is a little deceiving because their kicker got hurt in that game, and it ended up forcing them to not be able to to kick a field goal. Um, so they they had twenty seven first downs to ten for Seattle. They had seventy nine total plays to forty five for Seattle. Three hundred seventy one total yards to two sixty seven. They dominated the time of possession. They had the ball. For 41 minutes and 40 seconds compared to 18 minutes and 20 seconds for Seattle. But they were two of four in the red zone. They missed an extra point that got returned for two. And then the kicker got hurt. So they end up giving up basically two points for free. And then their kicker is hurt. So they had a couple times where they probably would have kicked an easy field goal, but they didn't even have that option. They had a 10 play. 50-yard drive ended in an interception for Washington. A 15-play, 68-yard drive that ended in a field goal. Then a 16-play, 84-yard drive, 8 minutes, 37 seconds that ended in a turnover on downs. And that's what enabled Seattle to get back in the game. Those three long drives only netted Washington three points. And that's the concern when you, when, you know, if you like them in games against better teams or when they're favored in spots like this on the road, though, against a Raiders team. I mean, Washington's playing 
pretty pretty well. Heineke was 27 for 35, 223 yards passing. He had a touchdown interception, just four carries last week because Gibson ran the ball really well. 29 carries, 111 yards, just 3.8 yards per carry, but he did have a long of 17, and he helps them on those really, really long drives. And if you didn't realize, Washington right now, they're the number seven seed. They are in the playoffs as of today. Which is crazy. Which After is everything. Absolutely crazy. After everything. everything, Young, Sweat, both got hurt. Fitzpatrick got hurt. They've looked bad. Logan Thomas, who was hurt for a while, he just came back. And yet, they're still right here. And a uh, few things to mention on the Raiders side. And then uh, let uh, you give some of your thoughts, Eric, who you like in this game. 509 total yards for the Raiders last week. They had more first downs, more total plays, more total uh, yards, yards per play. But that was that weird game, like we said, 14 penalties in that game. And they were just three of 13 on third down, 6.6 yards per play. They won the time of possession by about 13 minutes. 14 penalties for 110 yards. They actually picked up seven first downs from penalties. They gave away four first downs via penalties. They more than doubled the Cowboys in rushing yards, 143 to 64. Renfro and Jackson, both with over 100 yards receiving. Waller got hurt. And it looks like he's going to be out from a a football standpoint. I think, you know, Waller is a really good, he's a great player. He's their best player. And so that may hurt them from a, a fantasy standpoint. Moreau is kind of a, an interesting DFS play on the week because he's actually really talented and kind of cheap. And a lot of people probably won't look that way because Waller's out. But if they already have a tight end kind of focused scheme and Carr has mentioned a few times how much he likes him. So this is someone that I think they might make a point of trying to get the ball to at least a few times. So maybe keep an eye on him. But I like Washington in this spot. Um, Eric, I which way do you think the line's going to move here? I haven't locked it in yet. I mean, I'm going to play Washington money line no matter what. Do you think I wait or should I, I, I lock it in right now? Well, that's the thing. Like, I looked this morning and it was at two and a half. And my note was the line doesn't make sense. Like, why are they having the two and a half, but not the three? Um, because of that, I just wrote, stay away on it. I'm looking at that stamp right now. And the line is anywhere from the Raiders minus one and a half to a pick. So there's issue than me. I got two teams I think are a little more overvalued than I have them. I'm really not that high in either one of these teams because of that. This is just a pure stay away from me. Stay away for Eric uh, Let's see do we have anything else to mention here um, No we're good Let's move along to Ravens and Steelers We've got the Ravens as a Four and a half point favorite on the road Playing the Pittsburgh Steelers here Or excuse me Baltimore's at home uh, No 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 Is this, is this the this Leo is, Bowl? This is, yeah this is right This is the Leo <laughs> Bowl Baltimore is, on, Baltimore is They're on the road yeah right They're, yep. they're yeah, minus they're four right. and a half yep. At Pittsburgh four. 44 uh, is the total here Yeah this is the, the Leo Bowl here So the Ravens last week I mean they probably should have lost that game But they, they did dominate the time of possession By almost 15 minutes Four turnovers All of them were interceptions by Lamar I mean three of them were considered turnover worthy plays And they were bad He That's the thing about him Like he will have some games Where when he is bad And he looks off whew, It is ugly And this was this was that They only had 3.9 yards per play but they were 7 of 15 on third down, 1 of 1 on fourth down. They ended up running 20 more total plays than the Browns. They got first down, uh, four first downs via penalties. 
And their defense isn't very good overall, but they are substantially better against the run than the pass. They held Cleveland to only 40 yards rushing, 2.4 yards per rush, and they do grade out much better against the run. But they didn't run the ball. Conklin got hurt. I mean, yeah, like, and that's, I said it in our fourth eight. Like, as soon as Conklin he gets hurt. hurt. And as and soon as he gets hurt, that offense is completely different. Um, yep. You know, I just really think, and you've kind of, you, you've mentioned this a couple of times when we're talking, this Raiders team is just, not Raiders, excuse me, Ravens is just kind of overvalued. They're winning Absolutely. games that they, like, honestly shouldn't be winning in the offense. Well, that was last week, another one. You don't win yep. games like that when you throw four interceptions. It doesn't really matter who you what What's going on with the Browns and all their issues, that's a different story. Like, you don't throw four interceptions, have a game where you play that poor, you don't move the ball that well, and then you win. And so... It's one of those weird things where like we may maybe we look back at the end of the year and go, hey, this was like their year because teams do that sometimes. But from a gambling standpoint, they're just a team that's always ripe to play against always when they're laying any sort of points and any sort of a number that's like over a field goal because they just make a lot of mistakes. Yeah, and And they don't really do anything. Like I said, their run defense is pretty good. But they don't run the ball all that well anymore other than Lamar. But, I mean, I really feel like you lost Dobbins. You lost Edwards. They're down to their third string back. They're bringing in guys off the street that don't have as much pop. Lamar, you know, he's been sick a lot, and he's just missing time. And I really feel that's another thing that's in the offense mm-hmm. is he's, he's sitting out so many practices. The timing is just not there, and he has new wide receivers. doesn't have his running game, and he, injuries – up front and the offensive line. Um, and then you look at the Steelers. This is like the Mike Tomlin spot. Mike Tomlin is good when he's like us against the world. No one is giving us credit. You look at his numbers. He is 67% ATS as a dog, 80% ATS as a home dog, and 58% just straight up ATS after a loss. I mean, I love the Steelers here. In this spot, they're basically playing for their season. If they don't win this game, their season's done. Um, I I locked them in here at plus four and a half. I wouldn't. I'm not sprinkling on the money line though. I just I'm just taking the four and a half because like with how the Ravens have been playing, it wouldn't surprise me if Tucker hits a 58 yarder for them to win it. Like yep. win it yep. like 17 to 16 or 17 14 like something. I don't. Like that. I just I just locked in the the spread. Yeah, I don't know if I have enough faith in the Steelers even at, at to play the money line here, but I think I'm still on on the Steelers side here at plus the four and a half. They just they you know they're not very good. We we call this early on in the year. They won a few like we called this in our preseasons in our our you know all of our previews and everything. We didn't think they were going to be a very good football team most of the year, and they're not. So it's not surprising when they go on these weird streaks because they end up winning a couple games kind of by dumb luck. And you know last week. They had 190, they had 301 total yards, 190 of them in the second half, and they were down 31 to three. It's like, so how do you, like, it was so bad. Three turnovers, they lost time of possession by 11 minutes. So Big Ben, just as I thought this was funny, um, he had three bad turnover worthy plays, two interceptions, and a fumble. He finished the week, he was the number 25th ranked quarterback of the week, and it was his second worst offensive graded game of the year, only behind week one in Buffalo. He is number 52 out of 66 quarterbacks to be graded this year in passing grade. 66 guys have taken a snap. He's 52nd. Overall offensive grade, he's number 49. And 
He so if you look at every quarterback that's that's in there, so think about it. There's 32 teams. There's like 66. That's that's that includes all the backups, some third stringers, some guys that just have taken a few snaps. Of every actual starting quarterback, there's only one that's been graded worse than him, and that's Zach Wilson. <laughs> every one. Um, and the problem for Pittsburgh in that game. They just have to make sure they don't make mistakes early because they got down so far early that they couldn't even run the ball, at, you know, at all. And and they're they only had 15 carries for 51 yards as a team. Interception on the first drive sets up an easy field goal, and all of a sudden the Bengals are up by 10. Pick six puts the Bengals up 31-3 heading into the half. It's the perfect time to play Pittsburgh, whether you like them or not, because we are two guys. Who are not Pittsburgh Steelers fans But we're telling you it's probably a good time to play them Because they're really really Undervalued and this is A massive game for them As much as they're bad as much as I just Crapped all over them they win this game They are still right in the playoff picture This is like their season Yep and backs against the wall Tomlin is a dog I love it they're also getting Joe Hayden back it's kind of of crazy Like they have never won a game When he has not played which is Mike mind-boggling to me. So they're getting him back. Um, they'll be without T.J. Watt, who's on the COVID list yet again somehow. He just, wasn't he just on it like two weeks ago. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I mean, you got to play the Steelers here. Typical, like, Tomlin, us against the world spot. I love him here. You know, lock him in at four and a half. Let's get to 49ers, Seahawks. Is this one three 49ers on the road? Minus three. I'm looking at it right now. It is three, three and a half, depending on what book you are using. Um, so I have a little bit of an insider tip here. Um, my So I have a friend. She moved out there to Washington. And um, she is, we'll say, quote, unquote, friends with a guy on the Seahawks. Um, and, just, like, Russell looks like shit. Like, that, like, that's what she told me when I talked to her today. That this guy is telling her is that Russell just looks god awful, and you know he just can't find anything in in practice. So I mean, I think he just rushed back, and you know he's pressing. It made zero sense to me how Metcalf had zero targets. What what was his first target? The third quarter. I just it just doesn't make sense how that's your most explosive guy. He's not getting any targets at all. Shanahan's off on the road. I mean, I just can't play this game. I want to play the Seahawks. Seahawks. Me too. But, I want after, to after hearing my friend after her telling me that I just can't do it just because it's like ah dude he's he's just struggling so so some points on both of these teams before we move on cuz I'm not going to play this game either but Seattle they only had 11 first downs on 11 total drives last week 5.9 yards per play 267 total yards they were 4 of 12 on third down they only held the ball for 18 minutes 23 minutes less than the opposition they, I mean, they got lucky to be in the game. They blocked an extra point, and they ran that back for two. And then Washington field goal kicker got hurt. So Washington couldn't kick any field goals. They had to really just kind of hold on to the ball. And Washington hurt themselves a few times when they had chances to score. Overall, Seattle just did not play well. And Wilson, I mean, he's just not healthy. Like you said, you look at the the advanced metrics and some of the grades. Pro football focus, weeks 10, 11, and 12, his three worst graded weeks of the year. By far in overall passing grade And in overall offensive grade And it's You know it's ugly for them Seattle has run 595 total plays This year every other team in the league Has run at least 645 So they're 50 plays less than every other team The average team 
runs 700 and has run 713 plays. So their average of 5.52 yards per play, it's not like the yards per play average is much below the league average, but they never have the ball. They don't run a lot of plays. And they're starting center and starting right tackle in the They lose it. They're, they don't have the guys up front. There was a, a really fun uh, article too in um, the Football Outsiders about how Seattle is one of the weird, like, kind of weak spots in DVOA metrics because they still grade sort of high because they actually end up getting like crazy big plays and or three and outs. And so it's like it's like really weirdly inefficient, and so it ends up kind of like a like a blind spot in DVOA and stuff for them. Let's go to the 49ers side. A couple things to mention: they were down 14-7 with 12 minutes and 49 seconds left in the second quarter. They went on a 21 point run to get up by 14 points early in the third. Elijah Mitchell, 168 total yards, 33 touches. He had four runs of 10 plus yards. He forced two missed tackles and gained more than 60% of his yards after contact. Five of six targets for 35 yards. He's legit, man. He's good. Elijah. It's crazy, man. He is good, man. But I will say this, though. like He comes from Louisiana, and the system they run there is exactly like the Shanahan system. Very similar. He doesn't, but it it's doesn't not, make sense to me. Like, why did they take the pick with um, Sermon, Trey Sermon, then? Which doesn't make any sense to me. Um, I will say this though: no Debo this year. No Debo. De- so I mean, that's huge. We he's saw, been awesome like, lately. Like, yeah. Oh yeah, he's getting a million and two touches. Like it's just insane. Um, you know, this lends me to believe Brandon Ayuk. It's going to be a Brandon Ayuk game. Seattle does struggle against a running back. Like I love elite. Uh, Eli Mitchell for um for DFS this week, but in terms of betting, you know, I mean, if it gets up to like a four and a four and a half, just the number wise, I'll be forced to play Seattle. But I have a pretty big car, deep car this week, so as of right now, I'm just I'm just staying back. Yeah, I'm I'm staying away. 49ers have been looking impressive though. They ran the ball 39 times, 208 yards, three touchdowns, 5.3 yards per carry. They had more first downs, total plays, total yards, yards per play. And they dominated the time of possession by more than 14 minutes. They got up 31-20, and they were really controlling the game. But the Vikings ran a kick return back, uh, ran a kickoff back to make it 31-26. So, um, 49ers playing well, right in that playoff uh, picture again at six and five overall. Now, as we move to our two final games of the night, we've got uh, what Sunday night and then Monday night football: Broncos versus the Chiefs. Here and the is this it did it get up to 10? It's been going back and forth all day between 10 and um nine and a half and, and nine and a half. It's just kind of tinkering back and forth depending on uh and what book you have. So, Chiefs in the nine and a half to 10 point favorite range over under, I'm seeing 47 on yep. the Broncos side. Teddy B did leave the game last week with a small injury. Uh, and then lock through through just looks horrible when he goes out. Oh, it's such a bad pick. Like, oh my gosh, so bad. And the he did return. Teddy B, 42, 18 and one against the spread in his career. It's insane. Like I'm looking at the numbers right now. 76 is a dog, 87 is a road dog. Like <laughs> it's, it's just it is just absolutely insane. Um, Unbelievable. But I, I will say this, Andy Reid's like 57% against the spread, like off a buy. Um, like this, I wanted to, like, I do look at the FanDuel props. They have like alternate rushing yards. Um, 
everything that I had read said that Javante, this is going to finally be Javante Williams taking over and everything. Jesus. Like I've, like I found they had adjusted rushing yards at plus, was like plus eight fifty. I was like, you know what? I'll throw 50 bucks on this. See what happens. Son of a bitch, dude. Like, Melvin Gordon goes down. I'm like, oh, shit, this is a chance. Melvin Gordon comes back. I just don't understand why you have the the guy that leads the league in broken tackles, and he's your second fiddle running back when he's just it's way weird. more explosive I know. than your starting one. Um, In terms of this game, like, we're going to really see in this game is the Chiefs defense, excuse me, offense back. Because this is the defense, the two high safeties that the Chiefs always struggle against. This is the Vangio defense. We're going to see if the Chiefs are quote-unquote right now. This is going to be the, the testing point. If the Chiefs come out, they play a good game, they win the game, I'm going to be looking at Chiefs futures. But for what's going on right now and everything, this game is just a pure stay away. This game is going to be strictly educational for me as of right now. If the spread does get crazy up to 12, 13, yeah, I'll be tempted to take the Broncos just on a value point. But right now, this is just a pure stay away. Broncos six and five overall, six and five against the spread. KC seven and four overall, four and seven against the spread. A couple points to make on both sides. If it gets to the 10, I probably jump in on the Broncos. They they only allowed 20 total first downs on nine drives for the Chargers last week. They actually picked up more first downs than the Chargers. They got up 14 to nothing, then 28 to seven. They really had control through a lot of the game. The Chargers touchdown. Um, one of them came after a Drew Lock interception when they only had to go 47 yards to score. And they intercepted Herbert on back-to-back possessions. One of them was a pick six that put the game away. And you you mentioned the the split carries. Gordon had 17. And Williams had 14. But Williams did have the three receptions for 57 yards. He had a 42-yard catch and run. Their wide receivers are so weird for fantasy. None of them had more than two catches. They're all really good football players. Judy, Sutton, and Patrick. But you don't know what to do with any of them. And, and they have a, they have two solid tight ends too. I mean, yeah, with the weapons this offense has, it is really. If you were a good quarterback, a if if you were a good quarterback, you know one of those guys like what Russ or Aaron Rodgers, who we hear are guys that we think may not come around. Man, this might be a fun. You look at those weapons; they've locked in some of these guys for a while now. They, you know, their defense is always going to be pretty good. It's a tough place to play. Um, this is a fun little team. Like, if, yeah. if they get the right quarterback. This is going to be a team you want to be invested in, like for next year futures. But, you know, they just, they're very limited at what they can do with Teddy. He's not going to turn the ball over, which is great, but they just can't, you know what I mean? He's, they just, mm-hmm. they just can't, the wild card team, that's the team ceiling right now with Teddy as their quarterback. So the Chiefs, this is the stat that you're going to hear a million times uh, throughout the week. Andy Reid off the bye, 19 and three straight up. After a week yep. off in his career, 14 7 and 1 against the spread, 7 and 1 straight up with Mahomes off a of bye, including the playoffs. Yep. Just uh, incredible, incredible stuff for uh, for Reed with uh, with that, you know, th- those numbers and those trends. Let's get to Monday Night Football. Patriots, Bills, big, huge game now as the Bills are a two and a half point favorite in this game. Over under is 43. Bills are just three and three in their last six games. They they are a crazy team when you look at some of the advanced metrics because they have this insane variance. They uh, when you're looking at the DVOA metrics, they have five games this year where they have over a 60% DVOA, and no team has more than three. 
but they also have some really bad games. So they they have this, you know, Craig, you just never really know exactly which group you're going to get. Tredavious White is also out, and that could end up hurting the Bills a little bit here. Then on the flip side, see, I don't, this game is hard for me right now because I don't love, I think the Bills are a little, and you hit this all year. Uh, they're, they're a little, a little phony. They're not great, but the Patriots, they're super phony right now. And I don't mean that they're bad, but I do mean that this was a quote. Not from me for the Patriots fans. It's Eric, it's funny, like as a gambler, because this year in particular, anytime a team looks really good, I want to play it against them because nobody's that good. And that's really always what you want to do in gambling. But looking at the NFL this year and just looking around going, nobody's all that great. You really want to play against the teams that are overvalued even more because we don't trust any of them. And this is a direct quote from Football Outsiders. The Patriots will go as far as 11-yard screen passes on 3rd and 10, missed opponent field goals, peanut punch fumbles, and a creamy schedule can take them. They are they are solid, but not nearly as good as recent box scores would suggest. I and, agree 100%. Like, I and mean, that's, I, you know? I, I, I love the Bills here. Like, I, me too. Like, I do. Three, I saw it go on two and a half. I never do anything. I'm definitely going to take that. Um, You know... You kind of look at um, Mac Jones. To me, like, Mac Jones reminds me of my nephew. Like, and my nephew's too. Like, he builds blocks. And you're like, yay, good job. Good job, Elijah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. He's not really doing anything. You know what I mean? But, I like, know. Because he's doing that, like, I don't know. Like, it's just, it's just, yeah. I, this is a total Bills. Take the two and a half, lock it in right now, and just kind of go with that. I mean, I I love the Bills here in this spot. Yep, me too. Um, Mac, only like he's only graded twenty two of uh, he was graded twenty two out of uh, last week by Pro Football Focus. We had a turnover worthy play, zero big time throws. Fifty four percent of his passing yards came after the catch. So the offensive line did a pretty good job, but they ran the ball okay. Um, he actually had his worst overall graded game of the year based on passing in and on offensive grade. And it's it's another situation where, man, they they were getting gashed, Eric, on the ground last week. They were absolutely getting boat raced by a Titans team without Henry, without all of their weapons. And the Titans kept just killing themselves in this game. Oh, my gosh. This is like a really deceiving box score And it's just one that people need to really rewatch. Or like this is a, a reason why You have to watch games too And just not look at the scores Because Tennessee ends up turning the ball over Three times in New England territory Three times, twice when they're moving the ball Really, really well and running it And they end up just giving the ball right back to, to New England If All you do is just not turn the ball over there And you're going to say they win the game? Yes, I'm not kidding. They lost a 36 to 13 game and the floodgates just opened late, but they were right in that game. And uh it's funny because in that game, it was like everything kind of regressing to the mean for the Titans now for back-to-back weeks, Eric. You know, it you just got to figure out which team it's going to be when when there are two teams that are overvalued like that because, you know, the the Titans had won four or five games in a row where we kept going Okay, they're not this good. Okay, they're not this good. 
They're getting outgained every game They don't have as many yards per play They're getting weird fluky fumble luck And things like that And so for the Titans it kind of came back for them In back to back weeks It's going to hit for the Patriots It might be this week It might be in two or three weeks But there are going to be a couple stretch of games Where they're not getting the tips of every everything The balls aren't bouncing their way every single time And that's when it's going to be difficult for them Because they don't have They're not as good offensively as you would You would think by just looking at their recent weeks No, like Mac, Like if they get If Josh, Josh Allen hits two explosive plays And it's boom 14 to nothing like that Like Mac Jones can't lead him back With what he brings to the table And how the offense is built So yeah, they just I they're like you said, they're overvalued. This is like we, we buy, we buy low, we sell high, and that's uh, that's what we're doing here with the uh, with the Patriots. Eric, uh, let everybody know what's coming up with you this week with the podcast. I think you and I were talking about possibly going live on Sunday, right after the the late games, right before the Sunday night football game. We might talk about. Some of the early looks at the lines for uh, for the week after, maybe some games to to try to lock in, or maybe some numbers to look for. So we may try that out. We'll see uh, how that works. We haven't done the Instagram live one. I haven't done that before, so we'll we'll give that a look this week. And you'll be hanging out on Fourth and Inches Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern time. We'll go through all the games on the Sunday slate. We'll give you uh, updated information, injury information. We'll know what the lines all look like. What about your show coming up this weekend? Um. Well, me and my buddy Jason, we have a little like ten minute live show we do. Best plays for co- for the college Saturday. We have that coming out, and then uh, yeah, I got my podcast. I'm gonna talk to my boy Brandon, who's like a super fan for the Patriots. And then uh, there's this new app. It's called uh, Pano Picks, where it's this uh, free app where you can go post your plays, sell your plays. And uh, this guy Brian used to be a Harvard lawyer, and now he does this app. So he's gonna come on and. Tell everybody about that his app and everything. Nice, cool. So we'll uh we'll definitely be listening in to that this weekend with Eric. Thank you so much, buddy. Look forward to chatting with you again on Sunday when uh, we'll have a, a little bit of a better idea to some of these uh, key injury key injuries and lines and numbers that we're waiting for. So make sure to give uh, Eric a follow out there and uh, good luck, buddy. Talk to you again over the next few days. Sounds good, man. Talk soon. Okay, folks, do not go anywhere. We have a lot more coming up. On this episode of That's What G Said We're going to get into some horse racing in just a moment Stay tuned Horse racing fans, many of us have been Using the DRF The daily racing form for years Studying the races, keeping up to date On news with all the articles I remember looking for a copy At the local liquor store Or picking one up at the local racetrack Wherever I was going Now it's even easier and cheaper than ever to use DRF with DRF.com and the newly optimized DRF mobile. You can get all the tracks that you want to bet and handicap. Past performances that are mobile optimized for on-the-go handicapping on your phone. So you go to DRF.com from your mobile device, no additional cost. Tap the calendar icon on the top left. It opens all of the options for past performances and for the tools that are available. One click to bet now and DRF bets Get real time odds and scratches on race day You can tap on any horse And you get those same DRF pass performances That you're familiar with With a larger font for your mobile display 
one click to formulator for charts for replays if you get the formulator version and even on the classic past performances you get the home screen with horses with odds with buyers you get a lifetime buyer speed figure graph you can rotate your phone for the best view and any horse that you click on you'll see the running lines you can easily move from horse to horse the same data as those traditional classic DRF past performances you get an interactive format which is very similar to the DRF classic version that you're used to on the desktop every card includes live data updated instantly with those scratches and so you get the accessibility from desktop to phone cross device functionality you can take your notes and save them from one device to the next and then access your account on any of your devices on the go handicapping and wagering multiple formats to view you got the overview page with recent speed figures current days odds easy access to expert selections and analysis you got the buyer speed figure graph with lifetime buyer speed figures and chart notes for every horse and you got those traditional drf past performances that are just newly optimized for your mobile phones they are constantly upgrading improving and making everything easier for you to get your handicapping done at drf.com drf.com for your past performances everything you need to succeed in horse racing a uh, big thank you to eric for helping us out with the nfl segment there and when you hear the uh, the drf starting you know we're going to be transitioning on over into the horse racing portion of this episode and anytime before i start i go to drf.com formulator past performances you have to have the information you have to have the the the, the past performances you have to have the tools and the resources if you want to get the best information if you want to give yourself everything that you need to be able to make money and for me that is drf.com and we are going to try to make some money this weekend on Friday and on Saturday and before we get in and start playing some of the races let's take a look at the stable duel schedule for this weekend Download the Stable Duel app and play today. We get to StableDuel.com or you go to download the Stable Duel app anywhere that you get your apps and you will notice they are all set for Friday at Gulfstream Park. Yes, the big meet opens at Gulfstream Park, so they will be loaded up with options for Stable Duel contest on Friday. On December the 3rd, you can play for 5 bucks at Gulfstream or for 100 bucks in a big $3,000 game. Charlestown has a $50 game. Golden Gate with a free ride on Friday. You can test out Stable Duel for free. Build a couple different lineups there. Tampa Bay Downs with a couple options for you. $2 game and a $50 game. So we'll help you out with that Gulfstream game in just a minute. We've got some plays for Gulfstream for Friday. Saturday. Gulfstream again will be the focus with the Gulfstream Claiming Crown Contest. $150 to enter, $20,000 in cash prizes in there. Maybe the entry fee is a little too much for you. Don't worry, they have a $10 game there at Gulfstream also. 
Tampa Bay Downs with the free ride on Saturday. They have a, a $25 contest as well. So two options at Tom, at Tampa. Not Tampa. This isn't the Bucks. Woodbine with a $30 contest. Charlestown has a $100 double up. That is on Saturday. On Sunday, Golfstream with a couple different options for you. Uh, four different, uh, excuse me, three different racetracks with Golfstream, Golden Gate, and Woodbine. Four different competitions because you can play twice at Golfstream. A smaller game for 5 bucks or a larger game for a $100 entry fee. That is this weekend. Stable Duel, get those entries in and play, race, win. And we are going to head on over and start talking some horse racing. Let's get to Gulfstream Park for Friday. Get those past performances out. We're looking Gulfstream Park for December the 3rd. We're going to start on the fifth race, Gulfstream Park for December the 3rd, 4th Friday. So flip to race number five at Gulfstream. And we're taking a look at a five furlong turf sprint here. I thought the number four, Shecky Shabazz, was the one to catch. And this is probably going to be an early exotic single for me. This one is 7-2 on the morning line. Three next out winners from that August 28th race. And he is the one to catch. There is nobody in this field that has the kind of class and speed that he does at this level. The speed early on and the class, the combination of the two of them. So give me Shecky Shabazz in here at 7-2 morning line. Anything around 5-2 I'll make a win wager, but I'll treat more like an exotic single because I think he probably does get bet a little bit and maybe this could uh, help anchor some of your early exotics. Let's move to the sixth race. We've got the stakes, the wait a while, 75,000 going a mile on the turf course here. Two horses that I'm looking at in this one. Now, I think the eight is the horse to beat. I like... Leah Marina in here, who was one of three next out winners in the debut, was right behind Bubble Rock, came back, was very impressive in career start number two. And while she showed a lot more positional speed, I don't think she's going to be handled all that aggressively in this spot. And there is a ton of pace. I mean, look up and down this field. Gunboat wants to go right to the front end. Last Leaf is going to be forwardly placed, stretching out from sprints. Lemieux wants to be close. You have uh, Paul Mack, who wants to be really close to the front end. Towards the outside, Sister Luann. I think they all want to be showing some early speed in here. I thought the eight's the one to beat. I thought the six high Arabian, if you're playing some exactas, tries underneath exotics. This is a horse who, at the very least, she can pass horses. So she's proven at passing horses. She's probably in a spot last time out where she just didn't get the kind of trip that she needed. Let's give a look to high Arabian and some under exotics. We'll play the eight. In any spots where we can get 5-2 to two or so And use the 6 underneath Let's flip to race number 8 So I don't think this is the strongest group in the world in the 8th It's a first level allowance, optional 25 They're going a mile and a 16th on the turf course The one Caroline story I'm, I'm sort of playing this race out in my head And how I think the, the, it will unfold It looks like towards the outside, there might be two or three horses that want to go towards the front end. Will probably end up pushing each other a little bit. They're drawn towards the outside, so I think their their tactics are sort of forced. They have to go, or else they get parked really wide. I feel like Caroline's story will end up 
tucking in nicely right behind. She ran into a, a sharp filly named Social Chatter who won three in a row, including a second level allowance uh, next time out. And you start digging in. Caroline Story, she can sit a little bit. She's got a little bit of positional speed if she has to use it. And that should work out in her favor in this race with that rail draw. That's the one Caroline Story. She is 20 to 1 on the morning line. If she's anything over 8, I'm going to make a win wager there. We move to the ninth race, going six furlongs on the main track. I'm looking at the eight, blaming on Rose. Now, I know this horse from Southern California pretty well, and she just was in a couple tough spots last time on the turf. They thought so much of her victory um, when she broke her maiden that, in fact, she actually faced the boys in back-to-back starts. One of the races, she beat the boys. She came back and tried Stakes Company in the speakeasy in a really, really tough race there, and she was 31-1 to that day. And it was on the tra- it was on the turf going five. Last time out, she was again in a in a really tough spot. Now you're back to a dirt sprint. Feels like this is a really good spot for blame it on Rose four to one on the morning line. Five to two is my line here. If she's over that, I'll make a win wager. I'm gonna treat her like a late exotic single. The tenth race is the pulpit mile on the turf course. Seventy five thousand dollars stakes race here. Two horses that I'm looking at. Now, the five red danger, I think, is the one to beat. Was on the gra- uh, was on the grass two starts back in the bourbon when a very good fourth behind Tis the Bomb. Won back-to-back sprint races prior to that. But I don't think the distance will be an issue for her, for him, red danger. He, to me, feels like the one to beat. The one to bet might be speaking scout who has shown a little bit in his first two starts on the turf and then tried to get on the turf in the last couple, but those races were taken off the grass. Speaking Scout, a horse who I will be using in all exotics. Their ner- the number 12 is 10-1 to 1 on the morning line, so we'll use 12-5 in exotics there in the 10th at Gulfstream Park. As we shift from Gulfstream on Friday to another racetrack opening up on Friday, Oaklawn Park. Let's talk a little Oaklawn. December the 3rd over at Oaklawn. Opening day there. We've got three plays that we're going to look at. Races 2, 8, and 9 at Oaklawn as we get to the second race. Maiden 40,000 claimers. They're going to be going a mile on the main track there. I thought the one spend again was a horse who you just want to give a shot back. They're going to get Lasix for the first time. So she debuted, he debuted against Maiden Specials in at Ellis. He's run three times. And then he dropped in for Maiden with Maiden claimers in career start number 2. And it was a really good second that day. I think he found that that's probably where he fits best. They stepped back up off of that effort and ran into a horse named Smile Happy who came back to win the Kentucky Jockey Club with a 90 buyer speed figure. So just feels like this is a much better spot for the number one. Spend again, who was 6-1 to on the morning line. We'd won around four, though, to make a win wager on him. So if he's anything under 7-2, to that's probably a little bit too low to play in this spot. Let's move to... Race number eight. We're going to be looking at races uh, eight and nine. So the eighth race is the Advent Stakes. Light the Advent Candle one. Now the waiting has begun. Six furlongs on the main track. B. Sud, the number six. He's been pretty good in both of his races. So in his debut on October the 9th, there have been four next out winners from that race. And... One of them was put up via DQ in a stakes at Delta next out. On October the 31st at Churchill, the race where he broke his maiden, the runner-up that day has since come back to win next out by nine and a quarter lengths. That's the number six. B. Sud, who is six to one on the morning line, anything around seven to two. That is fair. 
And that's where we'll make a win wager. As we move to the ninth, we're going to look at the number three, Codename Kate, in a race that seems to be pretty loaded with speed. It feels like Codename Kate should get a nice trip from off the pace, and she's 7-2 to two on the morning line. I've got her stacked a lot lower than that. I had her like a 2-1 to one shot in here. Anything around there, we'll make a win wager. We'll single her in late exotics. You've got the one who's got some speed and the inside draw, so they're going to be forced. Bling Machine is really quick. Ms. Blue just wants to go. You've got Palm Cottage, who's going to be forwardly placed and shouldn't be too far out of it. Sweet Pair, uh, Prayers is really fast. Jet uh, J- Jets Ajinin is also quick, and Je- Flash Magic isn't exactly slow from out there and will probably be forced. So code name Kate. Let's see if she can sit the trip and mow them all down late on Friday over at Oaklawn Park. That is Oaklawn for Friday as we get set to move on over to Gulfstream Park for Saturday. So we're going to go Friday to Saturday. We have to talk about one of the sponsors of That's What G Said. Full service realtor Cindy Carava. And as a full service realtor, she can help you out with really everything. Buying, selling, leasing. She can help you with home improvement. If you need to you know, talk with vendors like gardeners, landscapers, painters, a lot of folks that she's worked with and has used in her own home, in her own homes she has experience with. She can help you with a loan if you need to get pre-approved. She'll connect you with the right type of lender. And right now, she's even offering you a Black Friday discount for all any services that she's going to provide for you, she will discount them for you between all the way up to like $1,000 or so of services between now and December the 31st. So a Black Friday sale that ends up lasting about, you know, about six weeks from when it started, go to cindycarava.com, C-I-N-D-Y-C-A-R-A-V-A.com. She will help you out with everything you need. She is the kindest and most genuine person you will meet. I've known her for around a decade now. Cindy Carava, full service realtor. Let's get to Gulfstream for Saturday. We've got Saturday Gulfstream, Saturday Aqueduct, Saturday Oaklawn to take a look at. And it is Claiming Crown over at Gulfstream Park. So a really cool card where horses who through the last couple years have been running in for a tag. They get the opportunity to run for big, big money in some of these awesome stakes races on Saturday at Gulfstream. So I'm going to start... On the December 4th card in the third race, the Iron Horse, the Claiming Crown Iron Horse, mile and a 16th on the main track. I'm looking at the number 8 in here, Zanesville, because I just see a lot of early speed signed on with the one super flyover, with the three, or with the Brass Town, Brass Town, Trapezoid, Blue Steel, all want to be pretty close. Zanesville, super honest. Look at the last two years what you've got from this guy. He just always shows up, and if the race is to his, you know, to to the shape that is beneficial to him, he'll win. He'll come running. He'll pick up some pieces. He's going to likely just kind of track way back and make one late run. Zanesville, the number eight, is five to one on the morning line. Anything around seven to two will make a win wager there. As we move along to the fourth race, five furlongs on the turf course. I thought the four running memories is just coming out of some of the better races by far behind Toby's heart last time out. That was a $480,000 stakes race at Kentucky for this one who's only been in for the claiming tag against the maiden 25 claimers in the first start and won that race pretty impressively. She is stakes placed and running memories 
has some speed. She can sit off a little bit. She's proven at the trip. She's proven at Gulfstream Park. Lots of things to like about her if she's anything over 3-1. to one. The number 6 Beantown Baby is also one that I will use in exotics because she's just really honest. And she's run well recently over a bunch of different racetracks. Pimlico, Delaware, Colonial, Kentucky, Laurel. She just shows up. She's got some positional speed, but she can sit off and pass horses if she has to. Bean Town Baby will be using the four and the six in a lot of the exotics there in race number four. As we move to next play is going to be in the sixth. Sixth, eighth, tenth, and eleventh. As uh, I like the one Kahiko, this could possibly be an early exotic or uh, an, an exotic single there. Kahiko two back ran into a really nice stakes winner named Summering, and Kahiko can save all the ground from the inside. Is just been doing excellent work for this barn. They got this filly in really nice form. She likes Gulfstream. She can save all the ground. She probably wants to sit a little bit mid pack towards the front of the middle of the pack, and. If she's 5-2, to two, this is an excellent spot for her. You look at a lot of the horses in here and the races they come out of, she's coming out of by far the best races. Does that always translate immediately over and mean she's just the best horse and she's going to win in here? No. But the company she's been keeping is really good. That's the number one, Kahiko, who is to 4-1 on the morning line. Anything over 5-2. to two. I'm going to make a win wager there as we flip to the 8th race. 5 for a long turf sprint. There are two horses I would recommend to use in your exotics here. The number two bad beat Brian is in great form right now. Comes in from Keeneland behind Karatori, who legitimately would be a heavy favorite in a spot like this. That's a very nice turf sprinter. The problem with bad beat Brian, the only reason why I'm not a thousand percent confident with him and playing him to win is the draw. He's drawn down towards the inside in a big field like this. You could end up getting shuffled, and the trip is everything in a five for a long turf sprint. So I will include the 9XY Speed, who has a little bit of that, does have some speed, can sit off uh, a bit, and with the outside draw, that'll at least give him some options, figure out when they want to press the button. Horsu loves winning races. He's 8 for 18 lifetime. He's 7 for 9 going this turf sprint, and won both starts over the Gulfstream Park turf course. Let's get to races 10 and 11. The ten is the 10th uh, race is the Claiming Crown Jewel. They'll go a mile and an eighth in here. And on paper, you've got the one Ludington, who's pretty quick from the inside. You've got the Girolomo's Attack, who's pretty quick. You've got Tune In, who wants to be forwardly placed. You've got Strike Appeal, who's got speed. You've got Mohawk, who's got speed. I think they are going to be going pretty quick early on. I think this race sets up very well for a horse who's got some sneaky recent form, and that is the two hard lightning. Now, this is a horse that's always had some ability. One right off the bat, and then they tried a couple tough spots. Look who he was behind. Sol Volante, Art Collector, Swiss Skydiver, and Rushy. And he's not consistent. And that's because of his running style. Because he's a deeper closer. If there's not if there are races that don't have a lot of pace, well he just has no chance. You can excuse the race on the turf. That didn't work out all that well. And the reason why he fits in this race is because he dropped in for 35, and when he did drop in, he won. Hard lightning. On October the 16th, he was fourth in a race where the top two finishers 
were second and first early, and they ended up finishing first, second, which means there's no passing in that race whatsoever. The August 21st race, the top four finishers in a race where Hard Lightning was fifth, all four of those horses were in the mix early on. This could be a much better race. The mile and an eighth might end up very much helping this guy, where a lot of horses get tired. Hard Lightning could be doing his best running late. Let's get to the 11th. This is my final play at Gulfstream on Saturday. I am looking in race number 11 at number 11, Light Fury. Again, just look at Light Fury's recent form. You have a horse who's been good on the synthetic as of late, gets back to the turf where he's not done anything wrong. And he is drawn wide. And so, yeah, could he maybe get parked a little bit? Sure. But at least he's got the tactical and positional speed to get over and to put himself in a good spot. I had him stacked more like a 6-8 to 1 shot. If he's anything in that range or over, we're playing the number 11, Light Fury. 12 to 1 on the morning line. We thought he was more like half of that. The 11 in race number 11 at Gulfstream Park on Saturday. Let's go from Gulfstream to Aqueduct. As we take a look at past performances for Aqueduct, we're going to look at races 7, 8, 9, and 10. The graded stakes pick four at the end of the card. So the seventh race at Aqueduct on Saturday is the Go for Wand. We're looking at December the 4th, uh, one turn mile in the grade three, Go for Wand. The number three is Bella Vita, who is a cowbred. She comes out here from Southern California. Now, she's got to prove she can go a mile. She was third, beaten a length going a mile on the turf earlier in her career. But the bulk of her work has been in the six, six and a half, even seven furlong range recently, where she won a cowbred stakes on November the 7th. I think a lot of people might see that and go, oh, okay, she beat cowbreds. Now she's in an open graded stakes. But the horse she beat that day is named Warren Showtime. She is 8 for 23 with 3 seconds and 10 thirds. Warren's Showtime has earned $794,000 in career earnings. And Warren's Showtime has 6 races against Graded Stakes Company. Two of them are wins. She's a multiple Graded Stakes winner. And in all 6 of those races, Warren's Showtime has hit the board. She is legitimate. Look at who you see in some of Bella Vita's running lines prior to that. You see Gamine, Private Mission. You see Cece earlier in the uh, the career. Bella Vita, I think is very well spotted in here, and she may be just a tad overlooked because the fact that she's a cowbred. She's five to one on the morning line. I think the one Miss Marissa, who's going to cut back from a, a little bit longer in the inside, she's got the speed, but there is some other pace in here. That's why I'm hoping Bella Vita can maybe just sit a tad bit behind. So we'll use the three one on Saturday at Aqueduct in race number seven. As we move to the 8th race, the grade 2 Remsen. They'll go a mile and an eighth on the main track there. And the one Mo Donegal is the one to beat. Was a winner already in a race that has come back productive. Third place finisher was really impressive uh, coming out of that race to win. But I do think the horse to bet is the number 3 Judge Davis, who's 5-1 to one on the morning line. He's going to add the blinkers. He got squeezed out of a spot at the start. He was inside. He was 4th. He was about 3 lengths off. And he was just behind... And he's kind of looming up, but he had no room. He got stopped. He got shuffled a bit. He was just waiting, waiting, waiting. Once he got a little bit of room, it was far too late. Rockefeller ended up kicking clear. Rockefeller was your gate-to-wire winner that day. Now Judge Davis adds the blinks. I think he steps forward in here. Judge Davis, 5-1 to one on the morning line. Anything around 7-2 to will make a win wager there. 
Let's get to the Demoiselle. Grade 2, two-year-old Phillies traveling a mile and an eighth in here. Nothing too crazy or outside the box. You know, the, I do think the three betting choices are probably going to be the tough in here. Nest, I actually prefer Magic Circle a little bit over Nest. I, I had him stacked 7-6-5. Magic Circle, who was just kind of second, I thought just second best last time out, was second on the inside, kind of shifted around, loomed up, and just couldn't get by Gerrymander. Two back was behind Echo Zulu and Gerrymander. So maybe she just ran into a Philly that she's just not quite as good at in her last few. She's got that nice positional speed. She should loom up and get the jump. We'll see if she can handle the mile and an eighth. Tap the Faith was really impressive in the debut race, so I think she's the one they'll all have to... She might be the most talented down the line. Nest didn't break all that well. She's kind of wide towards the back of the pack. I mean, she fits. She wouldn't be as shocking here. I'm not really giving you anything all too creative. In the Cigar Mile, I... So there are four horses who I, I think I'll use in the bulk of exotics. Code of Honor is probably not going to be six to one. Probably deserves to be more like four to one or so, seven to two, nine to nine to two, something like that. From a class standpoint, if he shows up with his best, it's probably the best in this field. But he's been a little disappointing over the last couple years. Just a couple victories, a lot of spots that seemed like he was well meant and just didn't really fire, but. I can't really play exotics without him. The six Ginobili, he has strung together three really nice efforts, and I don't have any knocks on him at all. I'm not really all that high on American Revolution. He should probably get a pretty good setup in here, but I I like others a little more if he's going to take that kind of money. Plainsman, to me, is sort of the value horse to use, because if they go quick early, he can sit. But he does have some some speed and can use it. He's proven at Aqueduct, and you know he can go a little longer, and then he can he can turn himself back and be really competitive here. He hit the sloppy racetrack last time out, hoping he tucks in nicely from the inside. So, Code of Honor, Ginobili, and Plainsman will be the horses I I you know play the most there at Aqueduct in the in that tenth race. In the Cigar Mile. Best of luck if you're playing the races over at Aqueduct on Saturday. We have our final track to look at for Saturday. Oaklawn Park. Get your past performances out for Oaklawn for Saturday, December the 4th. Oaklawn Park for Saturday. Three plays over there. Let's take a look at races 4, 7, and 9. So we jump into the fourth race. We've got a mile and a 16th. We're going to be optional 50 allowance here. I thought the one Warriors map was just in, in pretty nice form right now. You dig into some of the races last year at Oaklawn, and I think this is a horse who's just a little bit better right now and comes off of a good win at Delta. Two back was very competitive at Louisiana Downs and looks like Broberg has this guy just in a, in a really, really, probably the, the best he's been. Uh, honestly, Warriors map the number one. He's eight to one on the morning line. If he's anything around five, I'm gonna make a win wager. I will also include with the number six ego. Sort of feels like the measuring stick for the race. I don't think if if nobody jumps up and runs a good one, ego will probably win because this is a level that he fits really well uh, with this, with this group. Let's go to the seventh race. We are gonna look at uh, maiden special weight group six furlongs. 
on the main six furlongs on the dirt. Oh, oh, over at Oaklawn, yeah, six furlongs on the dirt. And uh, we're going to put the blinkers on for the number 10, Life on the Nile. The dam of this one, Life is Sweet, was a multiple grade one winner. Won the Breeders' Cup Distaff, the ladies' classic at the time. Five of the foals out of the six that she has produced have won races uh, I guess five out of seven if you don't count Life of the Nile. So five of the six siblings for Life of the Nile on the Nile have won some works at Oaklawn for a horse who adds the blinkers. Life on the Nile is 10 to 1 on the morning line. If he's anything around five, I'm going to make a win wager there on him. As we move to the Mistletoe. Oh, a little festive stakes name at Oaklawn Park on Saturday. The mile and a 16th Mistletoe for three-year-old fillies. The number two willful woman is going to go second start off the bench, and she has not done a whole lot wrong throughout her career. She couldn't get to super quick last time out, who was super quick and was a wire-to-wire winner. That was her first start since May. She's going to be sharper. Willful woman who is proven at this racetrack. She is 9-2 to on the morning line. If she's anything around 3-1, to we're going to make a win wager there on willful woman. So that is Saturday over at Oaklawn Park. Best of luck on Saturday at Oaklawn, at Gulfstream Park, and at Aqueduct. We're going to get into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper in just a moment. Before we do, let's talk a little bit about Sarah Candles. So you want to set the mood. You're looking for something all natural. Soy wax. Non-toxic, maybe. Scents for every season. Now don't be afraid, baby. Just spell it out. C-E-R-A candles. Dot com. And don't forget, promo code Gino gets you 10% off. Mm-hmm. SarahCandles.com. C-E-R-A candles.com. All natural soy wax. No toxins, no carcinogens, no pollutants. And because of that promo code G-I-N-O, it'll get you 10% off your purchase. Folks, this is perfect for, for Christmas, for the holidays, for gifts when you don't really know what to get someone. Give them a couple Sarah candles. You'll get a discount. You can let them know that these are not normal candles. They're healthier for you. A small business... Uh, here in Southern California, figured out that with that use of the soy wax candles, you can actually get them to burn longer. So they're healthier for you. You get a better bang for your buck. SarahCandles.com. C-E-R-A Candles.com. Scents for all seasons, three different sizes. As we head into this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper, I'm going to talk a little AEW, a little SmackDown, a little Raw, and some NXT on wrestling with Chad Cooper. Here it is, folks. Fight of the night. And trying to claim that belt once and for all. It's this week's wrestling recap. All right, calm down. And here he is, your hometown hero, your reigning champ, the one and only Chad Cooper. It's time for this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper on That's What You Said podcast. Loop joins us again like he does each and every week. And last week we didn't get the chance to talk much about AEW. So we can start over on the AEW side and talk about what's been happening over the last week or so. There have actually been two Dynamites and a Rampage since we last chatted. And uh, Loop, there have been some positives, some negatives. 
But I think the first uh, thing in AEW to discuss that's been sort of fun so far is MJF. <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. We've seen MJF basically was uh, has been, you know, they, they do this in movies a lot of the time or in TV shows where they'll have one of the characters on the show basically like play the audience. You know, and they'll ask the questions that the audience might ask, or they'll 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 um sure. they'll kind of help set it up through exposition. And that's what MJF's been doing in this feud for the last couple of weeks. First, he said, you know, punk. He was he's been calling him PG punk. He said, you know, you're not you're boring. Nothing you've done's been exciting. I used to like you, but who the hell is this guy? Um, and then Punk comes back at him and he calls him, you know, you're a uh, you're just like the poor man's Miz here, which got a big pop out of everyone. <laughs> They're going back and forth last week, which was, uh, I think, a lot of fun. We've seen now with a couple feuds for Punk with uh, a little more purpose. I will say it's still been a little disappointing in the ring with some of his stuff. Um, yeah. I, and, and I think it, it's almost like he's kind of playing into that. They're almost playing that role like he's just not quite there yet or he's not quite fully back in shape or whatever it is. But he th- this week... MJF was on the commentary while uh, while Punk is wrestling, and uh, MJF was taking some digs at him. You know, take your ball and go home, or you know, he said you were never as good as Cena or Triple H, and then he calls him CM stands for cooking meth. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know where that came from, but okay, it popped me, man. It popped me when he did, especially because we all know that Punk is the opposite of that. Like, he's a straight edge dude. But this was, uh, yeah, on uh, a show that I actually thought this particular show in Atlanta, I didn't think the crowd was all that great, honestly. And um, for for normally for AW, you get these incredible crowds. But I have been, uh, the last few weeks, I've laughed at a lot of the the Punk and uh, MJF stuff so much. They even went over and mentioned it on Monday Night Raw. Yeah, and I thought we would get an Edge mention or something or a Miz mention in the promo. You're right. It's funny that MJF says, you know, the but you know, you're all you're known for right now is just trying to get into Britt Baker's pants, and I don't know, right? You know, I I don't know where that came from, uh, unless they're hanging out in the back or they have posted pictures together on social media. I don't follow Punk on on Twitter. I follow her. I I don't recall her and Punk uh, together. Uh, and then then MJF talks about putting Punk's dog to sleep or something. It's it just they've been some wild accusations. He said he was going to kill Larry. He's like, if you bring that <laughs> mutt in the back, I hear him barking around. I'm going to put him to sleep. To sleep. <laughs> we get a. Uh, he called um he told him his breath smells like crap because he's been kissing so much ass, which I thought yeah. was another one that was funny. And um What did the, you think about what did you think about Punk's match? Like, no, I guess I don't I don't think they're okay, so he's obviously trying to give a lot to a lot of the other young guys who he's wrestling with. Oh, hey, cool. I'll, I'm gonna wrestle with you, I'll let you get a lot of offense in and and maybe it'll give you a bump. I don't know. Okay, let me say this. I'm I'm gen I'm genuinely not sure. This isn't like a me saying I don't think so or being like coy. I don't know if if it does anything when a guy like Moriarty 
goes a little bit longer with a guy like Punk, or we do we see Omega do it a lot of the time, right? Where they right. they'll have these sort of like lesser guys on the card, and they'll go 15 minutes with them. And I think AEW thinks that by having Omega in a 15 minute match with them, or Punk in a little longer match with whoever, and have that that person look really competitive, that they're that they're getting them over. They might be. I I honestly don't know. I don't know if that gets that person over or if it does less for the bigger star. If it hurts that bigger star more by having them go, just what MJF was saying. Well, man, you're struggling with these guys? These are guys I would have beaten in a couple minutes. (laughs) I think that's what a lot of of fans who are just flipping the channels look, stop, and think. Because those are the people we have to keep talking about as the people you want to hook. Because we're seeing for both of these companies right now, WWE and AEW, this is a bad time for the ratings for both of them and for NXT. And it's because it's the holidays. There's a lot going on. There's a lot of sports. There's events all over the place that people aren't even home. Christmas stuff, Thanksgiving stuff, people are traveling. And so now the difference between you, uh, WWE and AEW is just, WWE has 30, 40 years, all all this built-in year of having a bigger audience to where when WWE struggles and they have their down spurts, they're still good ratings. For AEW right now, where they're struggling is they're so new. When things like this happen, the last couple weeks when there's like a holiday or when there's something going on, they have a really hard time. They get overwhelmed with their ratings. I think we saw one of them on Rampage uh, around Thanksgiving was – Four, just over 400,000 I think And they were comparing them to the last couple of years And saying look we've grown from last year And two years ago The only problem is last year and two years ago You were facing NXT And they nobody's taking that into account So of course your numbers are going to be a little bit bigger This year because you weren't going head to head with NXT So right. I don't I, I don't know and, how much growth that is Or just we And, there, I, and there's we not all, a lot of holdover on Fridays right? That, that that's it's obvious there's not a lot of holdover because SmackDown popped a pretty damn good number for Friday night, Black Friday, right? The show wasn't really all that great either. It was okay, it wasn't great, but you know they're over two million, which is one of their better numbers, uh, you know, in a couple of weeks. And AEW Rampage has just become really not. Very attractive, number one, because it's taped, but even the live shows aren't really good. But the model that AEW is going with, it's their model. That's what they're sticking with. Kudos to them. Uh, I've said this before, and I think I say it every week. These type of matches, five-star matches and people being set on fire, which we'll get to in a second, doesn't translate into ratings. Now, they look, it was buzzing on Twitter last night. Will they get over a million views? I don't know. But I just, as a wrestling fan, again, even at these small indie shows that I go to, I don't see AEW shirts. I don't. I used to see Young Buck shirts all the time. All the time. When they were in Ring of Honor, when they were in New Japan, that's going away again. Last, uh, you know, last night, th- this Young Buck, uh, what we got with, um, I, I, I don't know. There's just, there's things that just seem out of touch with me as a wrestling fans with what they're doing. Hey, it's a great alternative, but it's hard. Look, it, I'm going to be honest with you, Gino. If I wasn't doing this podcast with you every week, 
I may have checked out on AEW for a while. Well, I would I've done it with. Hey, I've I wouldn't watch. I sure wouldn't watch Rampage. And no, it's not like um, no. and it's not even that like I don't think it's fine. It's like it's like a fine background show, and that's a lot of sure. the time that's how I'm doing work, and you kind of throw that on. But it's not. I don't know why. I don't know. Maybe it's just the time of the the year that it is too. But they definitely get. Uh, there was a lot of their buzz that felt like it sort of wore off a little bit, and. I um I think you were kind of hitting it. What it is is okay. I on this show, that's what G said. I I'm the one who creates the show. I do the rundown. I I do. I kind of figure out what what we're gonna talk about each week. And the way that I do that is by looking at sort of a lot of the numbers, looking at the feedback, hearing what I've heard from some people, things they like, things that they didn't like, things that the listeners are into, and then I also take that into account, but I also take into account what I think like I want my show to be the the problem. Um, and, and so I'm completely confident in knowing that if I grow or if I go up or down or whatever, like it's all on, it's all on what the, you know, the, the idea, the mission statement that I have for my show. Uh, the thing with Tony Khan is I think because he's such a wrestling fan and he's been such a hardcore wrestling fan through the years, through the weeds, I think sometimes he doesn't just take a step back and look and think what people that aren't on the internet as the hardcore wrestling fans might want a little bit more or what might draw them in. I think he's so an AEW sometimes is so intent on, oh, I don't want to do that thing that WWE just did. That right, that right. might actually be something sometimes that you should do in order to grow. So they that that they're kind of in a weird spot right now because they want to be that. Anti-authoritarian We aren't the man Thing but what happens when you do That is you don't usually Become incredibly Commercially successful right Like you're it's kind of like you're this underground Right the a lot of times the Best films are ones that Are crappily received when they're Made but then 10 years later there's this like Cult following and everybody appreciates them After it's it's kind of weird with AEW because you sort of wonder what they're doing. Are they they're they're serving their wrestling fans in an awesome way? If you're a, a hardcore wrestling fan and you liked AEW from the beginning, or you love everything that goes on in wrestling, you're probably a pretty big fan of AEW and the way they do things. But like we've said, I, it doesn't seem like through the ratings and through some of their ideas. I watched a show like this, and I wonder were there more people that watched that main event that may have flipped through and went, "Oh my gosh, I want to." Continue to watch this or were there more that might Have already been watching and said ah, That's really not for me and tuned out I'm that's what I'm, I'm Wondering with them because w Every company goes through this it's like who are you Aiming your your company for right Coop yeah yeah we're, we're heading Into year three and, and I, I Thought the show was okay yeah um, you, know, you had one women's match I thought it was a pretty good women's match I, I um I, I Thought the I thought Statlander probably should have went over, but I, I thought it was a better women's match. Uh, didn't kind of like the ending, but you start the show off with Daniel, uh, with Brian Danielson. You definitely see the direction that they feel that this guy is your workhorse now. And it's evident because he's wrestling pretty much every Wednesday night, and it's building up to a show on free TV because in two weeks, him and Hangman. Are going at it. I think that's their uh, what what a winter is coming, coming show. I think it's yeah, it's December fifteenth. So 
you know, you you got to think that show is probably if that show doesn't do it with with Brian Danielson and Hangman Page that we're getting on free TV, if that show doesn't do it for you, then this is just probably what you're going to get other than just signing, continuing to sign WWE castoffs. Because, look, the 90 day compete clause will be up for a lot of these guys that just got cut recently and sometime in January. And, and we saw the news earlier in AEW. They're starting to uh, there's been five or six workers who haven't been on TV in a year. Uh, they just got rid of one big swole. Um, that's probably the first of many. But the show wasn't bad. I just there's so you've said this. I'm going to steal your line. There's so many workers on this roster. It just seems like they throw stuff together to see what sticks like. Sean Spears is with Wardlow now. I, I wouldn't have known that two weeks ago. It's, and, you know, it's, just, I know it's there's just a lot, it's, a lot. It's kind of hard to keep up with. It's a lot of moving pieces. Uh, I will give them <clears throat> a little bit of credit. I don't, I don't know if I'll, I'll give it. They're doing a better job with the women's tournament than I thought they would in, in yes. that. In the that, match was good. Last the time. match was that good. Match and they've good. all given them some pretty good amount of time. They've given them all, you know, like five minutes plus, some of them 10 into 12 minutes. So they're, it sometimes what you do is you're playing the long game. And I think that's what they're doing with some of these girls, which what they're trying to do, like I was saying in those other matches where they have them go longer with the stars. But I don't know. I, I think sometimes I look at and go, oh, okay, took Punk that long to get through that guy versus you have two women out there who are maybe both on the same level. You let them go a little longer. I like that more. I like I like giving them the opportunity to shine a little bit more as uh yeah we've we've got this you know just kind of picking on some things that's happened over the last couple of weeks more team Taz Leo Rush Dante Martin stuff which you know Leo's fine like this is an okay sort of lower card to mid card thing but um it just is one another one of those things where it just feels like there's a lot happening you got Leo yeah, Dante yeah. you got team Taz there's a lot of moving pieces in there but I like Leo Lastly, Bobby Lash, <laughs> my main man. main man. Like I like these guys when they get to go in the ring; they're really, really fast, and they uh they kick ass. So, uh, at least worth mentioning that Thunder Rosa's in the semifinals of the women's TBS tournament. So, what we got is it Thunder versus Jade, Ni- Jade, and then Nyla versus Ruby. Ruby. So, those are your, so that's final-, your final four. What are we doing here? What do you think? So. Okay, the to me it's got to be Jade Ruby, I think. Okay. I okay. think it's I think it's Jade Ruby, and I think what they do is they probably give. I think we get um like J- Hater and Britt interfering in the match somehow to make Rosa lose to set up the Thunder Rosa for the title feud. Yes, I think they come out and distract. That would that's what I would do. I would have them. I would have her like a cheap way for Thunder Rosa to lose, or they beat her down before the match. Yeah. Right. She comes out, she can barely make it. That way, Jade squashes her in two seconds. It makes Jade look strong, but Thunder's got the out because Britt and uh and Rebel and uh Hater just destroyed her before. Then afterwards, Thunder Rosa's furious. You get that match in a week, or it can build to the next Brit Thunder, which feels like where they're going. I, I, that, that's what I would do. Yeah, I'm definitely would would 
would book this on Jade. I, I you know, giving it to Ruby, who's already had. Not that there's anything wrong. I, I, I just, I, I'm a Statlander fan. I liked her in the Indies. You know, she's been through some hardships. You know, with her knees blowing out multiple times or whatever it is. I, I it was just a really good match between them. Kind of didn't like the ending, but I, I'm with you. I, I think that happens, and I think maybe Rosa interferes. Uh, with uh with nyla ruby there's going to be some shenanigans there because friday on rampage you got jade cargill in action and i think next week you have reho and jamie hater is going to be your lone women's match on aew dynamite but i definitely see ruby and jade going there i don't know what type of match that's going to be um but if you're going to do thunder brit thunder does not need to have this tbs championship 100 i agree we um so over the last few weeks you're mentioning Brian Danielson so he's been taking out the dark order guys one at yeah. a time and doing yeah. it very aggressively and i like didn't like Brian Danielson is really good and there are some actors wrestlers people in their fields that are really really good an athlete think about it right you you can play somebody at baseball at Shortstop, second base, third base, all over the place. But they probably have a position that they're best at. There's yeah. probably one. I sort of feel that way with Brian Danielson. And it's like he when he did the uh the the heel run in WWE two, and he's done the heel run in Ring of Honor. It's good. Like him, if I didn't know that that Brian Danielson could be a great babyface, I would think his heel work was incredible. I would be like. <laughs> He's one of the best heels out there. The stuff he does, the stuff he says, how it's not like so cheesy, but it's just kind of snarky and real. You know, he's just like he's ta- he's talking after he just kicked somebody's ass and he's just breathing a little bit. And he's like, I'm just better than you. You know, he's kind of smiling about it. Yeah. And he's really what, like, what, did he tell the, what did he tell the Atlanta? Were they in Atlanta this week? Yeah. He told the Atlanta crowd, uh, you know, you I'm probably don't know what that is. Yeah, yeah. I'm gonna, he said I'm gonna I might have torn his MCL. Cowboys. Yeah, <laughs> that's what he said. Yeah, yeah. First he calls. He said I tore. I might have torn his MCL. But you guys probably don't even know what that is. And then he said, <laughs> Oh yeah, the Cowboy shit. In a couple of weeks, it was a real Cowboy shit. They don't win it. Yeah. So he's getting yeah. on the Cowboys. Um. The, and so this is really good. My only thing is with yeah. him. Just it's just he's like. In in a, in what WWE said to him, for me as a heel, he's like a B plus A minus, but as a babyface, he's an A A A. Like that's the only right. thing is right. that he is probably the best babyface in wrestling. Like so, in, are, are, are in we all okay of wrestling, with him, are we okay working him working every Wednesday night? It, I get what they're doing, and I I honestly think this is probably like when. Uh, when like one of the coaches tries to tell LeBron or like Russell Wilson or someone like that, you can't play. Yeah, They're like get yeah. out of here. I'm wrestling. I think yeah. that's what Daniel Bryan's doing, honestly, oh, 100%, 100%. right now. One hundred percent. I think he's like Tony. Yeah. No, I'm wrestling tonight. Like just find me someone and I'm wrestling. And because Con- next week he's got John Silver as yeah. being asked, you know. So I guess this will be his last Wednesday show match pre-match before he gets Hangman the following week. and the following week so yeah yeah nothing wrong with the feud whatsoever I think it's good I just every time I watch Brian Danielson I go damn this guy is literally the number one babyface in wrestling yeah, and now it's, it's hard man that's feel. what I'm getting to that's the point yeah. I'm getting to in it's it's almost like I I respect him so much and I think he's doing a good job that I wouldn't want to cheer him right for like just for like 
He wants me to boo him So I'm going to respect him and boo him But the guy I almost don't believe him With what he's saying You know it's yeah. like I know he's such a good person Backstage and we've know, We've all know what a good guy that he is That it's like I yeah, I really don't think you're, you want to kick that guy's head in Like I really don't think that's the, You know um, whereas with like the best- my buddy, we went to a WWE house show and he, he likes to heckle. He was calling him the, him, him and Randy Orton were tagging again, I think against the new day when they were heels and my buddy called him the American dragon, which used to be his gimmick. And I, yeah, it's just hard. It's hard. And I think he, he he's so big and professional wrestling, it overshadows hangman page. It just really does to me. And Is I that- didn't look, I, I know JR is going through a lot of stuff with his with skin cancer stuff. I don't know if putting Hangman at the commentary table was the best thing for me. It's kind of like what WWE did with Big E. I just, I, man, I love Hangman Page. It's just, again, right now, I'm, look, I'm the same with Big E. I'm having a hard time buying Big E as champion. The, the I, match I will be I'm, great. I, it's the, the babyface thing. It, it will help. Yes, yes. It's the babyface winning. It's killing me. You know? You gotta make sure if you're gonna crown a baby face that you've got two or three immediate heels, heels ready, yes. ready and waiting for them that they may already have had some interaction with in the past, like something at all. I mean, I don't know. He wouldn't that's and that's another thing with AEW where they wanna go through their rankings and their ratings and their wins and stuff so much yeah. that heck, I mean, right right after I know they have a story that they may have wanted to tell differently, but how I mean, Adam Cole was really hot. He would have been a perfect person to kind of slide sure. in. Miro, we talked about too, who was a, an already made heel. He might have, he would have been a, a kind of a nice person to slot in for Page. And then you could have had the Adam Cole Page Elite stuff. Kenny Omega's gone. Look, I'm gonna take. There could have been a whole lot of things there. Um, you know, the match will be good, and Hangman's gonna win like that. He's I, he's not gonna lose this title right no. off the bat. No. Like, got to no get way. a win over Brian Danielson, and that and that'll be a good win for him. I just um, like I said I I don't know if it won't be. Split. People seem like they're booing Brian Danielson a pretty good amount, and uh, and I guess we'll see in the next couple weeks. I, I I like the work he's doing, but I I agree with you. And Page on the commentary table was just okay. He yeah. was a little bit lackluster, and I. We were going in an old wrestling rewatch And you you get these guys Sometimes like Paige cuts an okay Promo but he's not someone that you Would think is this like overwhelmingly incredible Promo in fact I'd right. say Big E Is a lot more charismatic and just Oh Big you know, E for the hell That I gave him he gave a fantastic Promo Monday night yeah yeah and But but so what I'm my like What I'm getting is there are guys That you think you can Put on commentary and they'll be fine And they're not they're like, not this happened with Rowdy Roddy Piper. This happened with Macho Man. This happened Good with Dusty call. Rhodes. This happened with Ted DiBiase. All Good of those call. guys. They put, and I've noticed it in the old wrestling rewatches that we do. You're like, oh, cool, Macho Man's on. And it's like, God damn, is he annoying? <laughs> or like, is he saying like too much? Or is it like he doesn't understand the when to go and when to not and the voice? And then you got Piper who just goes nuts sometimes. Nuts. Like Gorilla's like, settle down, Roddy. He's literally setting him settling him down. And you got Dusty who he's Dusty would crack himself up. He would say things and he'd start laughing out in the back. And you're like, what? And you could tell he's just like popping the boys in the back, you know? Yeah. And he's just laughing. And then DBS would get would do a little bit too much. You know, he's like, get into it. Yeah. But so these guys that you're like, oh, 
Hangman will be fine there or Big E will be great there And they're not quite for some reason It's a little bit different You have to really do have to find your voice With the commentary team and in a group Gino, you mentioned Miro. I thought he had another good promo. It was great. Uh, the all white. Called, yeah, and he's the redeemer. He's like you know, is, now. Is that like um the in between? It's like purgatory yeah, or yeah, he is or whatever. <laughs> See, I, I just think that was much better than the Adam Cole uh Orange Cassidy Young Buck segment. I thought that was a train wreck for them. I didn't know what was going on. I'm like, uh, I just I don't know what's going on here with the uh, with the Bucks, the Elite, uh, Omega's kind of gone. It just seems like they're kind of, I'm not sure. And poor Orange Cassidy, which used to be my favorite, this is this is tough to watch for me because I was a massive Orange County fan, mass massive OC fan, man. And Cole feels a little colder, you know. Yes, I mean, he does. a lot, a lot yeah. colder. Let's be honest, a lot colder. Let's it's be not real honest. He's going to come in and every time He's going to get the Adam Cole baby He's going to get that big response He's going to get that pop no matter what But he does not feel and I know They have a story that they want to try to tell Long term and people have People got mad when this was brought up And it's funny to do the comparison But he was always Treated on NXT like a top guy Win or lose I mean he was always In that main event picture Always and Everyone just assumed if he would have stayed in WWE that he's not going to be that guy or he's going to be getting cut or he's they said he's going to have a manager or this or that. But maybe he would have been Priest. Maybe he would have been Riddle, one of the guys who actually does get treated well and got pulled up from NXT. You just you don't know. You never do. And Shit, I said Orange County. That's where I live. I was gonna say um, you said Orange County too. <laughs> Orange County, there's which, an OC out there. There's an OC out here too. I was gonna get. Yeah. I was like, Orange County is the movie with, just... uh, with uh, Colin Hanks and Jack Black, baby. Yeah, yeah. they're the real wives of the OC. You know, I'm all into OC. that. I'm all a part of that. Um, I, I just, I really, I, I, there's not a lot going for them right now. The Bucks no. don't have the tag titles, right? You know, and that, I think that hurts the the tag titles too. I think so too. Because it doesn't make one, one of them is now one of what one of the guys is hurt because Pac is now I think it's Phoenix is hurt. Penta. Yeah, Pac is working with Penta on Friday night against FTR on Rampage. And I do. I, I think the Bucks elevated those tag team titles. Did yeah. I want them on there? No, but it just seemed like they were more important because now they're I, I don't know. There was just something that rubbed me again wrong with this segment. I, it was it was confusing. I don't. I, I looked a lot of places. I like. I like looking at other places. I like watch seeing what AEW homers say about the show. Um, and when they kind of don't like it, I, I was going to say a lot of people them. didn't think it was incredible last night. They didn't that, like I agree. That. They didn't like it. I. It's funny. I do the same thing with all of the stuff that I uh, absolutely that I, I recap and review every single. I'm too much of a nerd. I have to. Every every wrestling segment. Every every Marvel TV show. Every single thing when I'm watching football games and basketball games, I always like to get the pulse to see what people are thinking. And, oh, and yeah. a lot of times for gambling purposes, because then I can go the opposite way too. You know what I mean? Like I can see <laughs> yeah. what like the public is thinking and like what the lazy narrative might be. And then I can dig into it and be like, well, that was wrong. And that ends up happening <laughs> a lot, but you're right. This wasn't the most well-received show in the world. Um, e- even with a, a couple things that are, are pretty memorable. So yeah, we've got the, the death triangle and we've got the FTR they're locked in a feud 
Every time they wrestle And any combinations of those guys Are going to be good in the ring But the tag titles do feel A little less important when the Bucks Aren't in that that mix Or aren't, aren't in the picture there Um we continue along over the last couple of weeks looking with the um, so we had Andrade and uh, Andrade Malachi Black and FTR last week picking up a win over uh, the Death Triangle and Cody and we get this weekend in the main event so we or this week in the main event we can get there now we've got Cody versus Andrade in uh. Like a no DQ match in the main event And I will say Cody uh, He gets such a Massive reaction just When he comes out I mean because people don't know What to do with him right now It's they and that's cool that's good For wrestling that like the reaction Is good they gotta be careful Because it'll only sort of Sustain this way For a little while before people kind of will start To be like oh come on Cody and and, and Maybe you start not caring more than you are booing or but they've got a little something with Cody right now. I don't know like how to make the most of it, but he gets a massive mixed reaction, you know. <laughs> and uh so he comes out and it's him and, and Andrade. And everyone's noticing early on in the match, like our in our chat that we have with a couple of our other buddies who yeah. are wrestling fans, my one guy Eric was like, What the hell's on Cody's back? You know? <laughs> And we're all noticing like it looks like he It looks like when you have a tan And the tan's starting to wear off and you pe- yeah. your skin's Peeling you know yeah. like you're shedding The, the lizard skin or whatever you know These And damn high definition TVs are Yeah good. yeah <laughs> So we're laughing and then we We kind of can tell the way that the match Is going we end up realizing that it was Probably this like fire retardant yeah, On its back sure. because They end up doing a A, a burning table spot Where Cody and now this this was unfortunate because I think for a lot of the match the match was fine for sure. like most of it they worked their asses off these guys were really going hard like you're not gonna get a bad match usually from Cody it'll be at the very least like average and then it, it may not get to five stars but it'll it'll usually a pretty good floor but the finishing spot they he does like this inverted suplex and I it was probably because he had some of the fire stuff on him. Right, yeah, and maybe Andrade right. did sure. it, and so they want to make sure Cody goes through the bulk of the table. So you can't, <laughs> but you can't have that be the finishing spot and then have him win. Cody, Cody put, I, I understand if you want if that like safety, sure, right. I don't want you guys Ooh. thinking about like having somebody set on fire, but that can't be the finishing spot when Cody puts himself through the fire. He th- you he would th- he th- you would think th- they. <laughs> You would think they would learn by now, right? With fire and explosions. It's explosions. It's like, oh, let's go somewhere else with this. But the match was fine. But yeah. again, it's so overshadowed. And by that he, spot, he, everyone just, was I, I, just Twitter's reaction was just, in the in the memes where, you know, from the you know the dumpster on fire that's going down the road in in the water. You know, it's oh, kind of yeah. like a dumpster fire when Crash your team is a the, dumpster fire. Everything's right? okay here with the guy sitting at the table with all the flames in the background. Yeah, yeah it's this little cat. I'm fine. Everything is fine. <laughs> Those were phenomenal. I look. I get the shock value and what they're trying to do. Again, like I told you and the group, I just don't look. This may get one million. I and it may. 
I, I just don't think wrestling fan. I, that's why I think ECW had a hard time on mainstream TV. There is look th- this GCW uh, promotion that has all the buzz in the world. Uh, they're having the death matches. Cardona and Chelsea Green um, are working. Uh, and all that. Yeah. Yeah, and and Alley Catch. This this has been absolutely amazing to watch, right? And their shows are pretty interesting. But if you start putting that on national television, it's not going to get a million viewers. That's going to that's going to get impact ratings. Yeah. And by the way, impact on Thursday night, the lowest on, ever, right? The lowest ever. It was Thanksgiving. It's like forty thousand. Just Ugh. imagine cutting that paycheck. But uh, and I love those guys. I love yeah. I love all those guys on Impact. But uh, you know, I, it's just. Uh, before we get off AEW, I do want to bring up Darby, Sting, and the Gun Club. Oh, goodness. So, what, what do you think? Last we week, were... we had Darby hit hit the coffin drop on him, and he kicked out right away. Right, right. Um, and I don't like, I didn't like that. I don't like that either. And then, so now this week, we've got them in a tag. And so, okay, Sting's got the face paint on now that kind of looks like Darby. Which, yes. Now let me say, I think it look if they're in the back cutting a promo with each other, I think it, it looks cool, or I think it would look cool. I think the idea of it, like, oh wow, look, these guys together, it looks cool. The problem is it makes Darby look so small. Yeah, he does. He's so much smaller dude. than Sting. People forget how big Sting is and how small Darby is. It looks like he's like his little brother or like his little minion. <laughs> Or something. I think it doesn't do very like we're good. Going for, to, we're juggalos, we're, right? You're putting the face pan on, pal. Uh, the, what are they? The Jabberwockies or whatever they were. Yes. Jack, Jack was yeah, doing the Vegas. Yeah. Um. I I don't know how much it does for him. And I mean, the match. I, I saw somebody posting on social media last week. It was kind of cool that in like 1990, there's a squash <laughs> match of uh, Sting versus Billy Gunn. You know, before he was Billy Gunn and Sting's yeah. Sting's like doing the Stinger splash on this super young Billy Gunn. And that's what Taz referenced. Like, oh, he he got out of there. He had that. He took that move years ago. You know, it's again where it sort of seems weird because we talk about how AEW is they are loaded with talent right now. They have a lot of top tier talent, but then. It, it's like, did you do you need? And I understand you can't always have just like top guys and against top guys or top gals against top gals. But when your roster is as loaded as AEW, there should be, you know, a real, real sort of top tier that Darby feels in and Sting is in. And this, I don't know, we have we, how much have we seen the Gun Club on TV over the last <laughs> two years? And now we've seen them in an actual feud here with Sting, and we're supposed to believe that they're credible. Um, this doesn't I, do. I just re- yeah, a- I remember them more. being on the front row, the enhancement talent clapping yeah. during the pandemic. Uh, uh, here's the last question for you. Uh, AEW WWE related. Do we who turns first or neither? Darby Sting on each other or the Mysterios or either or neither? So Darby should. If I had to pick one, I'm gonna man, say I turn Darby Hill, man. Right now, I do it right yeah, now. Yeah, like right now. Yep. Turn on his ass. He needs a little something, and then we even want it. And and then you can go with a sting match, and that's fine. 
Right, you can have a Darby Sting match if he turns, and that's fine. And, and you know what, Sting can go over on him. I, I'm, a, I would be okay with that, even though he probably shouldn't. But you know, heels are supposed to lose a lot, right? He can, unfortunately, have you have a feud, you have two matches, you have Darby beat him, do something cheap. That's where the turn happens, and then in the second match, you have it be a schmozzy, no, no DQ, where Sting uses the bat and the weapons, and and then Sting gets the win over that. But then you've elevated Darby, and you can send Darby over to to beat Sammy Guevara to win back the TBS title, or you can send Darby up to face Hangman, you know, right. in a right. in a in a match. Like he's in a he's kind of floundering right now, Darby. He's in he's not in the greatest of spots, and I, you gotta like right now. They both don't have that much going on. Like, give me Darby versus Adam Cole right now. Yeah. Right? Like, gosh, Something. that would that would just – it feels like both of them need a little more uh, – Riho pinned Britt Baker last week. <laughs> she rolled her up. I hate those. I, I do, hate too. those type matches. They I just hate don't them. make any sense. Why do why – do, why does AEW do them when – it's terrible when when WWE does them, and they got to know. Just did one, and they just did one all on Monday night with Kevin Owens and Big E. And they got to know how bad it is when these eliminator qualifying matches, whatever the f it is. It's like, no, stop it! Don't just have Riho beat somebody else. Put Riho in a fatal four way match for the women's number one contender spot. Have her win that match, and then boom, you're on. Don't well, have pin the champ. It's evident, Gino, they only are investing in only a handful of women yep. on that roster, right? Penelope Ford, you know, some of these that were signed uh, from day one, uh, they're barely hanging in on Mondays and Tuesday YouTube shows, unfortunately. And I like Penelope Ford, but you can tell there's only a handful of women that they're really actually putting some stock in right now. We've got this uh, Eddie Kingston and Jericho sort of uh, tag team kind of combination, which it's it's fine. It's just is a little weird with all of the yeah. all the the factions, right? So Jericho, where is Sammy and Santana and Ortiz? Jake like Hager. you're and Hager, <laughs> like where's your group? And I know, so we know with Kingston that Mox isn't isn't around. So I, right. I'm fine with the whole Mox, uh, Kingston, and and 2.0 and Garcia kind of ta- attacking him, and and that that's okay. He, Kingston's sort of though another one where you felt like you had him. You we were talking about Kingston getting set for a title run, yeah, like or or like a title match, you know, like getting getting elevated up into there because everything that happened with him when he was going with Punk. And right after that Players Tribune article, he felt like he had all this incredible buzz. And in just a couple weeks, he feels like he's cooled off a lot, too. Sure. So that, like, think about the three or four. Like, you got Kingston, you got Darby, you got Adam Cole, you got a few of these guys who sort of feel like, like, they don't always have to be in top, top, top tier feuds with top guys. But you maybe wanted to start, start selling the seeds of it, and then they can have other matches. I just... I don't know. I think I think there are too many spots right now on the card where it's like, oh, okay, it doesn't really seem like they have much going, and they're starting to maybe really rebuild things. But I'm, yeah, I'm not quite sure. Kingston Jericho. I'm sure this will end up with uh, with these two guys probably having a match. But doesn't Jericho kind of feel too like oh, what yeah. is what has he got left to do around here? 
Yeah, he's, I, you know, I see a big European tour for Fozzie was announced yesterday or today. Um, I don't know how much he's going to be around over the next several months, but I guess you got to use him. He's one of the, you know, the big names on the roster. But it just seems like that, again, I, I'm with you. It just seems like we're kind of floundering here. We don't know what to do, so we're sticking people together. And Kingston, hell, he's been in more tag teams over the past couple of months. And we're the inner circle is no more, I guess, right? And MJF, uh, it's, it's just some weird things that are happening on Wednesday nights that there's really no explanation for. That's the key. I, See what they, yeah. you hit it, you hit it. Okay. So they, they get, they don't they like do the it. fact that WWE does the recap video so much, right? Or, Hey, if you missed this, this is what happened earlier well, on. They hate them. They hate, they hate them. them. Right. But when you are trying to do as much as AEW is trying to do right now, you have to. You have to do them. You need to give me a recap click of what happened on Dynamite last week or, or Rampage Man, I, I or just, something that happened on Dark or Elevation a week or two ago that we didn't see. That's got to be clipped and edited up into a 10, 20-second video package that we can roll out and show just to explain to you. Just like WWF used to do when they didn't have weekly TV that was on national TV, what would they do on a pay-per-view Coop or on a uh, Saturday night's main event They'd show you the clip from superstars Yeah they'd show you what happened On uh you know uh, WWF primetime tele Or you know on primetime TV like they'd Show you the clip of the promo Or the match or what happened afterwards You can't just tell us oh they're 14 And 2 now on on you know On AEW dark <laughs> We haven't seen any give me a little Like cut a little video Of a compilation of their wins or right. show the results, what happened. If yeah. Come back from break, just, you know, show what happened. But again, I think they're so afraid to do that. And I think they think the fa their fans are so smart that they don't need it. And but if you look at the numbers on YouTube, they're, not, they're, they're very bad. They're very poor. They're so worried sometimes about not, about not being cool for their hardcore yes. niche yeah. fans that they're – they probably don't do things that would grow their company better. Like That's they true. don't want to be That's like, oh, point. they don't want to upset the hardest of the hardcore fans. And it's not even upset, right? It's not going to upset them. The, those AEW fans that are watching your show, they're not going to get pissed off and turn off the show because you do a couple recaps of things that happen on Dynamite or on uh, on Dark or Elevation. They're not going to they're not going to get so mad. But what will happen is there might be a few other people that are watching. That are clicking through that you when you're telling them and explaining to them, they'll hear it. And then what may happen? They might go, oh, hey, I might go back and watch Dark. Wow. Yeah. Can you believe that? That might actually happen. <laughs> you might get somebody like some cross promoting there. Um, so, I, you know, that that's something they need to work on. I think, yeah, we've got the gun club, Darby and Allen and Sting. Uh, looks like with the women, I mean, I'd imagine Britt gets has probably has a match against Riho because I think Hater is going to have a, a match against Riho coming up soon, and then yeah, that's next week. And you would think Riho goes over because you heard Britt say, you know, hey, you lost in the tournament or whatever it was, you're a loser, and so you you can you can see some things are about to happen. Yeah, yeah, that's about to be a uh that's about to be something, and maybe yeah, maybe it is that Hater tries to help. With Rosa and, and it turns oh, yeah. around on yeah. Rosa and that ends up leading to something there. So we're gonna get Brit and Hater at some point as um 
Yeah, this was it was okay. Their little their, their little backstage promo. Sting and Darby won. We talked about Statlander. We talked about Ruby, and then uh, yep, we talked about Cody in and Andrade in the main event. So <laughs> that was uh, AEW uh, over the last few weeks. Everything happening there as we shift our focus on over to WWE. Let's start with some SmackDown. And uh, the last time we saw SmackDown, it was the post Survivor Series SmackDown where Paul Heyman and Reigns come in. Um, and they talk about how you know Lesnar's the number one loser, but they do discuss that uh, they there's going to be a Black Friday Invitational Battle Royal to determine the next <laughs> challenger because nobody's good enough for Roman Reigns. The I thought the Black Friday Invitational Battle Royal was kind of a funny, uh, just like a funny <laughs> thing. As, uh, we uh, we start out with Hardy and McIntyre versus Madcap Moss and Baron Corbin. Before you get into the match, you know, what did you think about the line? That is he just trolling us, Roman Reigns? When when my time in the WWE comes to an end, which could be soon, you will have acknowledged me. Right? Yeah. What did you take with that? That's good. That's good. I mean, there's no way this guy wrestles for any other promotion. No, ever. 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 Correct? No. So if that's just a total title, he's trolling. Yeah. He's got to be. He's Got trolling. It. He's doing what MJF is doing over there on that side, <laughs> where he's like, "I'm going to WWE," you know. And, and, I, and, I, and Kevin and Kevin Owens too, right? Kevin Owens tweeted KO. today, "Hey, it, it's been. I, I meant to say it's going to be 30 days until I'm the champion, not 31." And he's kind of like counting down because that's the end of his contract too. Like he's sort of doing the punk know. thing, right? Yes. Like I can yeah. take the title and leave, which. I, I don't I, think they would do it, but man, if I would not hate that, if they did that in this current climate right now, with Ooh, everybody man. wondering if Kevin Owens could take it to AEW, he that would pull it off. That would be awesome yeah, because it would. it would feel real enough to where everybody would know that KO had already re-signed and whatever if he had was winning the belt if he won the belt and that he was coming back. Because I don't right. think anybody thinks that Kevin Owens is the type of person who would really do that. But that would be awesome. That would be just like the punk thing. That would feel just like, uh, what was it, Alondra Blaze, Medusa, bringing that belt over and dumping it in the trash can. <laughs> yes. Like, you could, you would get those feels as, uh, hey, you mentioned KO and the countdown there. So that day one. I mean, how do we not have the Usos on the poster for there? Are they? I haven't seen the poster. Day one-ish, right? Like, yeah, it's got to be. I haven't seen the poster either. It's got to be them doing the day doing the day one-ish. Um, uh, on SmackDown, what we knew we were going to have to get, though, is some guys elevated who may not have been elevated as much. And, you know, we're getting that. Like, it's it's been a good month or so for Jeff Hardy right now. Things are going really well for Hardy. He's in he he sort of feels like he's back up at the top of the tier of SmackDown. You know, he's in a tag match with with Drew McIntyre here. He's on that top level of baby faces. I don't think he's beating Roman Reigns, but I think like a Jeff Hardy versus Roman at a one-off pay-per-view would be kind of fun. It'd be really you know? cool. In, in just Jeff going through a lot of crap and Roman beating him up in the Usos and Jeff trying to do everything he can and a couple hope spots where it feels like he's going to win and then he does. Like that would be a lot of fun. Hardy also teased that he wants to, I think it was on the WWE's The Bump 
or one of them that he wants to have a, another match or at least one more run with Edge. Yeah, you know that was that a would, good interview. That would be kind of cool. He, I think he mentioned Edge. He mentioned uh, uh, Big E as someone that he hasn't gotten the chance to wrestle all that much. There were a few guys, Kevin Owens, I think he said too. I think there were a couple that he said he really would look forward to wrestling. So I, I agree. I like that. Jeff is in a good spot, and you could tell they're they're already setting things up for Drew. Because Drew got screwed. He didn't get to make the battle royal. Why? Like, why? Did they even really say why? <laughs> they just no. said, Drew, you're not in it. You know? When yeah. all of the other guys in this match were in it. Uh, that it just made zero sense. So yeah. there were several segments with him and Pierce and Sonya. Uh, we're making the list. And, then they and Angela. The list don't like, don't yeah. forget about Angela. He it comes is, into the ring like, with a murder weapon. Swinging yeah. it around. <laughs> and, and they post the list to see, like, he made the seventh grade B team basketball team, right? They posted the list. <laughs> they posted the, the list. Hey, I heard, I heard you didn't make the team, you know? <laughs> oh, man. What do you mean, Drew McIntyre? Yeah, that, so. Didn't make the they, list. They're telling a story with Drew getting held down or whatever. And, and that's, that'll be fine. It was just so funny that Drew, like, everyone's looking around like, you're having a battle royal. And Drew doesn't get the shot, doesn't get a shot in the battle royal. Okay. Really? But um <laughs> but good for good for Hardy. Um Yeah, yeah. Who, I like the place like, he's in, man. Yeah, it's a good this is where Hardy should be. Towards the top of the card. Probably not gonna ever win any titles anymore, but he should stack up some wins so that way you could have him put over the guys that you really want to get over. Right. Be- Beating Jeff Hardy should still mean something. So now if you have a heel on the SmackDown side that you like, that you want to get over, well, now Jeff feels a little bit stronger. You could put him in a match with Jeff, and that would help. Someone like, you know, Jeff is would be fine in a spot against someone like Sheamus right now. Down the line, the, the guy in the next match. I was a little surprised that Ridge Holland didn't win the match against uh, Cesaro, but I Man, think— it was so short. It was short. I think they're trying to tell more of a Ridge Sheamus story together, his buddy kind of thing, and then Ridge will end up breaking away from it. They're not really building Ridge as the guy yet. He's sort of just the lackey for a while. But yeah. I did. It, I mean, this one was weird because Cesaro. Came out Sheamus's music, right? Yeah, and Cesaro is a guy who you never really protect. Like he loses all the time. Right. So did he need to win? I don't know. If he needed to win this here, that was sort of a booking. He 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 does the roll up out of nowhere, and then Sheamus uh, comes out afterwards. So maybe just something to keep an eye on there. We got the Thanksgiving leftovers thrown out <laughs> oh, match, and uh, Garza ends up beating Boogs. They love doing this. I'm, I know we're gonna get uh, pretty soon a miracle on 34th Street fight. <laughs> We, yes. we always get one of those, Coop, with the boxes and the presents and everything yes. coming. I, I I thought it was too short, but you know, poor Nakamura and Bugs, boy, I don't think they've had a win in I don't know how long. If they did, it, it was irrelevant. It's so weird. It's you get you put this icy title on this guy, you get this act that's really over, and then they just lose all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could be a fun tag team battling for the tag team titles, or you could have this be the act and have them just come out and have Nakamura wrestle a match and have it be a good match and have him win. I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand the whole booking, what they're doing there. 
with them. That one, that one feels weird to me. We got uh, Charlotte cutting a promo. The work she's oh been doing recently, you know, um, yeah. she she's been doing some good work in the ring. The Becky stuff is is good, but the it was, I don't know. I, I feel like the timing with the Survivor Series and then Becky having to sort of be babyface and then kind of turn back heel. Um, I mean, these two are two freaking big stars, though, man. Charlotte like feels like a massive star. Becky feels like one, and you know, we get Charlotte now, who is going to be probably sort of kind of pigeonholed over to to Tony. She talks about Becky. She can be big time Bex there. Here comes Tony Storm. Uh, Tony talks about how Flair's obsession with Lynch made her vulnerable, and uh, she says, you know, cuts a promo. She says. Flair talks. Charlotte says she wants to beat her to a pulp tonight. So we get Tony and we get uh, Charlotte. What'd you think of the interaction with these two? I hate that she got hit in the face with pies and didn't fight back. Right. The the look like that's what dis- that's what disturbed me. I, I'm okay with the pies and the gimmick stuff because WWE always does that. But it, uh, she should be pissed. Somebody hit you in the face and she just kind of stood there with this this silly look on her face. I just thought it made her look really weak. I, I didn't know what good that did. No, I, 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 I'm they, looking forward to the match, but this is a horrible build to it. That was me too. I just didn't like it. I, just I didn't like it. Did a good job with Tony at Survivor Series too. Absolutely, they made her look strong. She picked up a couple uh, eliminations, and then even when she lost, it wasn't like she. It wasn't like some quick two seconds. She just got like she looked good in that match, and then all all you got to do here is like you said, how would a normal person respond? When you got hit in the face with a pie, you would be pissed. You'd be like, especially if it's someone like Charlotte, who you're already, you know, who's already a bitch, you know, like, <laughs> so, so I, yeah, I, I agree with you. This was kind of in some of that, like Bianca, just kind of smiling stuff yeah, where yeah. we're like, no, go after him, like, go get him, <laughs> you know? So at least we get something new and you and I have been huge Tony Storm fans for a long yes. time. So. Could be a big yes. moment for her now with the big match coming against Charlotte. Uh, we got Naomi and Sasha to beat Natty and Shayna. And then after the match, Naomi kind of stands right out in front of Sonya and she's dancing right in front of her. I thought that was kind of funny. And Sonya's just sort of looking at her like, yeah, you won. Clapping, you know? yeah. She's okay. just like, good job, good <laughs> job. That's good. So uh, I'm sure we continue on with those two. We're gonna, we got to get a singles match with them two at one point, right? Yeah, you have to. And maybe, maybe it's tomorrow. Yeah. Maybe it's tomorrow. Maybe it's something that happens. It they keep teasing it a little bit and then it's something in the rumble. You know, maybe like where Sonya's in the rumble and Na- and Naomi ends up eliminating her. Uh we're already getting we're less than two months away from the rumble now, you know, yes, from where we, we are. are. We're starting to get there. Um so yeah, that was when we saw everybody checking the paper to see if their names was on the Did we make the cut? Seamus says What uh, part of the play did you eat? I got yeah. the lead Oh my gosh I'm I'm background I'm a, dancer number two You know, I'm the gingerbread guy number three I'm what? Random <laughs> fat guy? That's who I am? What? You know? <laughs> I don't want to be an Oompa Loompa <laughs> <laughs> That's what that Seamus laughs He says uh, You know there's no You didn't make the call But just <laughs> We get the uh, the battle royal. It's Sami Zayn, Eric, and Ivar 
Angel and Humberto, Mace, Mansoor, Cesaro, Ricochet, Drew Gulak, Boogs, Jinder, Shanky, Madcap Moss, Corbin, Hardy, Ridge Holland, and Sheamus. Yeah, I mean, we got Boogs, but no Nakamura. (laughs) No Drew, which is just funny. Like, two of the more legitimate people that you would have thought could have been put in a title match aren't even in there. But that was sort of the point as uh, Sammy... Sammy also comes out and, um, and so right off the bat, Drew rushes the ring with the sword. He tries to murder everybody. <laughs> I don't know why they, when they say the name of the sword is Angela, it makes me like laugh and just like a weird, like what the hell? Angela is the name of this sword. Okay. Um, so, Okay. There's going to be an underlying story with Drew That's fine, they didn't want Drew to be Immediately in the title picture They didn't want Drew to lose this match They do, they wanted to kind of, kind of keep him strong So I'm cool with that And the Battle Royal was fine You know, it was like it, Once you got down toward the end there were, there were some fun spots And what I liked about the Battle Royal You got Happy Corbin and Moss Kind of joking about eliminating each other And then Corbin does eliminate him But <laughs> Uh, they've actually done a pretty good job in recent weeks again with Ricochet. I thought, yeah, you know, he's yeah. just getting more and more TV time. I wanted Ricochet to win this match, you know, great, but he doesn't. Same with Hardy. I thought Hardy. I, you know, we we definitely the fans were behind Hardy there in the final two. They or wanted three. that. They wanted that. Hardy, Ricochet, both, and Hardy. The fans are really getting behind Hardy now. And then Sami Zayn comes in, and it's weird because Sami is almost in this weird face turn. Right now, something right, like, yeah, something got shunned uh, during I the think. egg hunt, <laughs> you know, egg hunt. And now he's that winning the battle royal, and he's which that's going to be tomorrow night, I assume, right? Because yeah, and they're setting him up, you know, against the the biggest heel in the company. So and we and we know who comes tomorrow night. We get the breaking and, news, and and so maybe this is why oh. they just put Sammy in there because. Maybe it's going to be like a it's going nothing. to get flatlined. Like an, maybe it is like an absolute nothing. Like he just gets destroyed, and they didn't want to do that to somebody else. And Sammy's the kind of character who you could do that to. Because right. Roman was laughing in the back when Sammy won the battle royal. They're just <laughs> laughing at him. Like I love that. Me too. This guy. This guy wins the battle royal. So uh, poor old Kayla Braxton, who's been threatened to be fired by Paul Heyman all show, finally breaks the damn news that next week it's going to be Brock. (laughs) And are you surprised we're doing it this early? He's back this early a little bit. Yeah. Um, I almost wonder if we get a red herring. Now, I think they'll have an interaction over. But I almost wonder I'm I'm thinking about Drew right now And where Drew is And I'm wondering if Drew has a part to play In this In that we get like a Drew Brock something or Drew Like yeah like remember Drew and Brock Because Drew beat Brock So there's still some unfinished stuff there I and and then with How Drew was kind of pissed off last week How he didn't get the shot at the title In the battle royal I'm I'm wondering if there's a stop along the way for Brock before Roman. You know, because I don't think we're going to get Brock Roman until WrestleMania. Because from from the sounds of it right now, it doesn't seem like we're getting Rock, right? No. So it, if you had to guess, would you think we're going to, that would be the main event, Roman Brock at Mania? 
right for right yes. now. Yes, I would. I would as of right now. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And, and things things can change. Guys get hurt. Guys would have people come back. All that stuff. But if I had to guess as of right now, I think that's that's their plan. And I think that maybe they do something before. So I don't. And and I don't know in my head. I'm trying to think of how it would work with Drew and with Brock if they're both baby faces. I'm not sure what happens there, but. It feels like there that maybe he he comes out next week and there's someone or something or there's there's one more that Brock kind of has to go through or do before he gets to Roman. But I am I agree I agree in that I am a little surprised. I didn't think we'd get the Brock returning until maybe right before the setup to Royal Rumble. I like a like a month a like a month. I figured they'd say okay Brock's back and Brock's gonna have to enter the Royal Rumble and go through all of them to win or you know one of those kind of things, but. Now you, when he's back, it almost makes you think that you might see him. Maybe we do get a match of, of something of him at the pay per view. You almost wonder, um, but I don't know. You know, Brock's got those weird contract things where he only shows up a certain amount of times. It would be awesome if we could see him at Day One Rumble and Mania. You know, if we could see him at three or three of the four of the next. There's probably an Elimination Chamber in there too. Um, so, no matter what, I think SmackDown. We were a little worried about with the with the um the draft and we're maybe SmackDown isn't a plus 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 because you know Rollins and Edge were over there for a while and that was a fun feud and you had some uh some biggie stuff and you had some other things that were good here and there. I think it's been overall, I think the draft helped both shows a lot more in yes. that SmackDown felt like it was way higher than Raw, and now they feel much closer to even. I still like SmackDown better, and you've got Roman, and it still feels yes. like it's a little bit better. But if like SmackDown was like a nine most weeks, and Raw was like a three, it's probably like SmackDown's like a seven and a half, and Raw's up to like a five or six for me now. Like I feel like they're both. This has helped both of the products because now as we shift over to Raw a little bit. I mean, think about how many of the guys on Raw that we're talking about that were over on SmackDown. KO, Seth, Big E, Finn, Edge. All those guys were on SmackDown recently. <laughs> Bianca, you know, all like all of them were recently on SmackDown. And they've been a big help on Monday Night Raw now as we shift over there. Like they're in the main event picture and we open things up with Rollins. Um and we get a Balor versus Rollins match that, as most people would expect with the way these two guys have been been built at the moment, you get Seth getting the win. And it, it was a thumb to the eye, right? So yeah, we're, yeah. it's not like it wasn't a completely clean win. It wasn't like a burial for Finn or a complete squash. They're almost kind of kind of quietly setting up Finn right now for a rumble run. You know, it's kind of like what they do with someone before the money in the bank. You know, like Finn's sort of to me, there's like, oh, you, know, you look around, there's not a lot going on with him. They've kind of purposely kept him out of things. I wouldn't be shocked if he's flying a little bit under the radar to have one of those, you know, come out at the very beginning, last to the end, be one of the final guys in the Rumble runs. And um, yeah, I, I didn't expect him to beat Seth. No. Um, but I, I didn't like that he attacked Seth before the match and then lost. And then lost. I didn't it's like not a, that. No, I agree with you. You don't you don't do that and then lose. You attack and then the match doesn't happen, right? Right. Or, like Seth or, did baby him a couple of weeks ago. Or or Seth attacks you and you lose. That's fine. Yes. 
that, booking though is backwards for a baby face to attack. Didn't like that. Yeah, didn't and like lose. that. Completely agree with you on that. We go uh to Austin Theory and Vinny <laughs> Mac. These were fantastic. These are really funny. So Vince <laughs> is like in the back with sitting with Austin, and after every segment, they're like talking about what would happen. He's basically doing a watch along, you know? Yeah, he is. And he's telling him, like, what well, we should have been better here, or what should or no, we can't do that. Or like this deal, I love Morgan's team. It was it was really <laughs> funny. I thought it was really funny. And um and we get a couple of these all throughout the night and and now i i don't think the whole thing with the egg was completely set for austin theory right i do no, think it was no. still supposed to be something to do with the rock or whatever and, and plans might have fell through but i think we can all see now that vince does really like this guy because yes, he I would not be on tv doing segments with him if he did not Multiple the whole damn show, and he took a slap to the face, which I popped for. I, I, Who doesn't want to take a slap from Vincent Kennedy, right? the Vincent Kennedy of Back McMahon? Give me Vince, pop me right now, man. <laughs> pop me, Gino. You got the you got the video rolling. Lay one on me, lay one on me, <laughs> Vinny Mac. Pop me. I know you're a disgrace, Cooper. <laughs> you're fired. My my favorite one of Vince's though was actually the one I think with Punk when he was in the ring. I apologize, you son of a bitch. Oh, you know, when he made him, yes. That was one of my favorite Vince's always. And Punk was just laughing. Punk pot like Punk couldn't keep a straight face that he got Vince to say that, right? Like in his head he's going, I made Vince you son of a bitch. Man, I just I he's old as old as a goat. But WWE television is better when Vince is on there. It's so just much better. It's so it? I loved better. it. He still has that cachet that he look sh- at me. Look at me while I'm talking to you. Look at me. It's gosh. Vinny, Vinny Mac. And uh, Austin Theory. Expect, yeah, expect a lot to come from him. And I think I read or heard someone else, right? We're we're gonna get an Austin Theory, the chosen one, like Drew. Oh, I love it. Right? That Fantastic. would be fantastic. That'd be great. Um uh, just really good stuff and then eventually he'll turn on the Vince and the authority and he'll be a great baby face so it'll it's got the the makings of a really good storyline starting here as we get the contract signing for the women which is this is the most polarizing i think segment for Monday Night Raw that people were talking about because Liv Morgan comes out and Becky's already out there and Becky says she's welcome for having her first contract signing <laughs> and uh <laughs> They they go at it a little bit. Lynch says it's going to take more than one punch. Um, Liz says, uh, Lib starts talking about how, you know, Becky, if Becky doesn't, uh, she basically tells Becky, you have become what you always hated, right? You said that Charlotte held you down, but you're trying to do the same thing to me. You think this is all about you. You're, you know, you're so conceited. And she says, you know, she gets at Becky because Becky made fun of Liv for crying and being, you know, you know, not being tough. So then Liv pulls up the footage after Survivor Series, which I thought was great, you know, and and the way that Liv did it, too. She's like, um, I, my friends in the back have some footage for me. You know, blah, blah, blah. it wasn't just like uh, you know, I, it seems sort of natural, like something that she was going to find because I would do this, too. If I was in a fight with someone and they called me out, I'd be like, wait. 
you cried last <laughs> week, you idiot. Like, and I'd go find the clip of them crying and show it. And so she did. She, they showed this clip of of Becky that was on uh, on online where she's crying about everything that's going on with Charlotte and this and that. And then Liv says Becky is the reason that my <laughs> friend is gone. I think wonder, referencing Ruby, you know. Wonder wonder if she slid that in there because apparently it's already been edited out on WWE Network and or Peacock Network and the YouTube Rewind shows. Wonder if she slid that in there. Now, now look, when you're live at a show, there's probably about a 10 or 15 second delay than what you're watching on television. Is that right, Gino? Isn't there a delay? You've been in live TV yes. before. Yeah, probably about I think it's 7 second delay. Yeah. So they they did they did not edit that out on live TV, but I'm curious to why they they they've edited that out today. It's no longer available on. If you watch that promo, that that sentence is missing. I just find that curious. And if let's say this, if she did that on her own, awesome. That is, yes. I love that yes. she did. I love that she did. And now their match is next week, right? Yeah, it's next week. And Man. let me say, I don't have a problem with what she said. I know some people are like, really, uh, I don't like the fact that she's mentioning that her friend got fired and this and that, and they're taking that. See, that doesn't bother me at all because it doesn't bother me when anybody does that kind of stuff because it's it like once you walk out there, yes, it's real, but it's a show. The things they say are part of the script. I know we all want to to make it. We want it to feel as real as possible, and we like that they them saying things like that about the real world. But there is not one part of me that thinks that Liv Morgan would have said something like that if she a felt uncomfortable saying it, b thought that her friend Ruby was really uncomfortable with her saying it, or c like I don't know. It just doesn't like I and maybe I'm wrong in that. But I don't think that was like it didn't. Did, it doesn't did bother you, me that much. I don't. I don't no, know why. Me, me, me neither. But did you feel like Liv was being more of the bully heel here than Becky was, or almost, just almost? Yeah. And yeah. and I'm curious what the reaction will be next week because Liv is always someone who's had a pretty good following fan base. Right. Yeah. Like there's a pretty good hardcore fan base that want to see more for Liv. She's not Becky. I mean, nobody is. Sure, Becky is. Sure. As big of a star on either the men's or the women's side at, at, in the company right now, honestly, um, yeah. The my only wor- it, worry, not worry, is just the Survivor Series thing kind of hurt this a little bit. Uh, just with ha- Becky having to go babyface and then kind of heal, and the, the fans kind of getting behind her. I think if it, we would have had a few more weeks of Becky just kind of being evil along the way, there'd probably be a little bit more build up to this. But I'm very excited for Liv. I hope she gets a good 15 minutes and an opportunity to go out there and uh, and do what she does best. Because I think this, you know, this is one of those big moments for her. Sh- prove what she's got. Is she capable of going in the ring with some of these, you know, the four horse women and the real main event women? I agree. I totally agree. I just hope um, no shenanigans. I don't. I don't think there's going to be shenanigans. And we no, there almost, And we almost crossed that line with putting them in a tag match. I thought that women's match. Was a rough 20 minutes later on in the night. I, yeah. I just, there were some decent parts. Uh, I just thought it was real goofy. Um, I thought, oh no, we're going to get some kind of tag match. And what we got with all those players in that match, none of it really worked. None of it did for me. We caught, uh, 
Orton and Riddle with uh, there's a wig on. And <laughs> <laughs> it was so funny. He puts a wig on him. Orton opens his eyes. He looks in the mirror. He says, I'm giving you two seconds to take this off of me. And it, it was, and um, this popped me and made me laugh for sure. Me too. These guys have gotten a little bit back, right? They felt a little yeah, cold for about back. a month or six weeks, but they've kind of gotten back over the last like three, four weeks as uh, they end up winning. Uh, against the dirty dogs, Orton, the dirty dogs. Orton and Riddle get the win against those dirty, dirty, dirty dogs. As uh, <laughs> we get uh, Rollins or Owens lets lets Rollins know that if he wins his match tonight against Big E, that he's going to be added to the WWE title match. So Rollins is furious about this, but this is something we'd been predicting for a while. You could yeah, tell they were yeah. probably going to go three way. Yeah. It I'm just, okay with it. Yeah, I'm okay with it. Yeah, it makes the most. It makes the most sense for for how yeah, they were booking. Match. It, it'll be really, match. really good. So that'll be uh, in a few weeks uh, at day one. The three of them, we get Edge on this day. Edge. I, Clearly, <laughs> everything has come to you. think you know me? And Edge is excited to be on Raw. And he's talking about all the new opponents AJ Styles, Kevin Owens, Finn Balor Damian Priest, Big E He says uh, everything is wide open And then we get Awesome (laughs) Here comes the Miz And we have not seen Miz for a while He's been dancing with the stars And the Miz comes out And I I thought this was great Um, It was fantastic This was great, Miz says you know, Edge, your career is all about comebacks, getting injured, coming back. He says, I've been representing WWE on one of the biggest TV shows, Dancing with the Stars. And uh, he said, you know, you don't even mention the me. You don't even mention me on your, uh, you know, all your potential opponents. Miz makes fun of the Dancing with the Stars. <laughs> Marie says uh, that when Edge was chopping wood, Miz was being the most charismatic and entertaining on the show. Edge says, didn't you finish like ninth? And then Miz says, it's because of the WWE fans. They forgot to work for me. They screwed me over. As uh, Edge says, you know, they're going back and forth. Um, Miz says he's an era-defining superstar. Edge says that, uh, you know, he, he mentions that he was six, the, the champ six months ago. When was the last time Edge held the title? Edge says that Miz, uh, you know, Miz, you're right. I don't have a, a long window. I only have some big matches here or there, but he said, I did everything I could to get this window back. That was a really good line and good stuff from Edge. And he says, you know, Miz must need a pat on the back. He says, I love when the, when baby faces do this too. Then he goes on to compliment Miz. Yeah. He says, yeah. Miz, nobody thought you were going to be here. Look what you did. You were from Tough Enough. You worked the WrestleMania main event against John Cena and The Rock, and you won. And you won. You were dressing in the locker in the hallways. They wouldn't even let you in the locker room. And look what you've done. Look where you've been. He said, "That's a true story. That's all true. That that is a true story. All true. And it's amazing, really, when you think about it. Because as hateable as he is." I th- I don't think anyone really dislikes the Miz as a person. Everybody likes no. the character work that he does and really appreciates. He is probably one of the biggest wrestling fans that you'll meet. 
as a guy in the wrestling business, you know, and he says, uh, you know, Miz uses this to get notoriety for his next endeavor reality show dance competition while leaving his partners to get fired. (laughs) (laughs) Miz expects respect. Oh, I know. And he, 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 her face, she was so mad. It was like, whoa. He mentions that they even say his name on other TV shows to get a pop. And that was fantastic. It's great. These two guys will be good. And this shouldn't, I don't, you and I were talking about it. I don't necessarily want this to be a WrestleMania match. Um, no. Because I, I think you can probably do a little bit more with Edge. For WrestleMania, if he's only got a few left, and I and I say this as somebody who's like one of the biggest Miz fans, right? Um, we got to get a, a mixed tag. It's got to be coming. And you sent me a uh, post right before we came on that uh, was from Beth Phoenix on Twitter talking about how she's leaving the NXT announced desk, which has got to be a setup for this, right? It has to be, or for another run. Yeah, you would think. I think they were happy with her. I think they're happy with the with Vic Joseph and uh, what uh, Wade Barrett. So I, I don't think there's been an issue there. So I mean, interesting timing. If not, then we're way off. But a mixed tag on day one pay per view would be fantastic for me. That would be awesome if we got Miz and Maurice versus Edge and Beth Phoenix. And when that is in January, and you and I were doing our fantasy booking already. Then what you do is, you know, Beth is already back in shape for that match. Beth can be in the women's rumble and doesn't have to win the women's rumble or anything, but Beth can, can, well, she have, was in it a while. Wasn't she in the last one? Absolutely. And, and there Beth can have a spot with someone and then have a match at WrestleMania. How great would a Beth Bianca? Was the yeah, one that, and, that comes to me. And there's and there's rumors again, and there always is when it comes to WrestleMania, Trish Stratus coming back for another match as well, uh, which I am 100% all on board. I would love to see some of these ladies come back and work a match because they still can. And it'll do, it'll give you a high profile match for one of the women that isn't going to be winning the title. And if you don't, if it's not the plan for Bianca to win the title at WrestleMania or Rhea, right? One of someone, right. someone who you you feel like you haven't been doing as much with recently, and you want you kind of want to Sasha, you know, any yeah. like any one of them that's not going to win the title, put them in a match with Beth, yeah, at, at WrestleMania. That would be a, a a lot of fun, and I think we're heading in that direction right now. Uh, we got Street Profits picking up a win over Alpha Academy. Nothing too. Crazy what, there. What has AJ Styles become? With the blind yeah. thing? Yeah, and it just being now he's becoming goofy. This goofy little laughable character. I don't like it. And I, I don't like it. It, it. And now he was he fell on the ground. He was asking Omos, what happened? What happened? And Omos is just kind of looking at him. I don't know what's going on here, <laughs> but it's it needs to change in a hurry because I'm a Big AJ Styles fan, but I, I just these I don't like it. jokes he cuts in these promos. I don't get it. I don't like it. I don't like it at all. We need to get AJ back on a, on a, a better trajectory as a upper card singles guy. Dana Brooke uh, won the twenty four seven title. They check back in uh, on that one more time. We get a U.S. title: Apollo Cruz versus Damian Priest. Priest picks up the win. Cruz is struggling a little bit. 
right now. Yeah, something felt really off in this match, man. They went to, if you notice, they went to, a, I don't know if this was planned, but they went to a commercial break really yeah. quick in this match. Yeah, I, um, Apollo's been, yeah, he's been floundering for a while now, too. They got a something's missing there with him. I don't it's the I don't know if it's the character that didn't connect or the way they booked him when he won the IC title and they didn't get behind him over, but he just yeah, it's something's missing with uh with Apollo and we're just we're getting a little too much of this Mysterios, you know. Yeah. They end up, they end up winning yeah. now and it just they embrace in the middle of the ring, but if they were never going to turn on each other, that's fine. But then why did you plant those seeds for so long like they were going to turn? <laughs> if they were just going to be a, a father-son tag team, that's okay, right? It doesn't always have right. to be like the turn. But why did you make us think they were going to and now they're just happy-go-lucky guys again? I don't – yeah, it's it's fine. It's nothing spectacular. It's I, I, I would like to see it done a little differently. But we got the uh, – so when the, the women were talking earlier, Liv and Becky, Becky said, basically, let's see what you can do, Liv. Let's see if you can lead. I want, I'm going to have a, a five-on-five match. And what's funny is this five-on-five women's match was probably more a more interesting match than the, the Survivor, Survivor Series, Series. match yes. because all these women have feuds with each other, yes. right? It was like I'm watching the old – I just did an old rewatch on the like 1990 Survivor Series, which was the one with the where you had the the grand finale Survivor match. The only time they ever did yeah. that. But what's great is that every match in the Survivor Series, and and they're all the teams of four. It's not as much about who you're teaming with because they're your best buddies. It's just you're set up opposite of the person you're feuding with, and that's really all it came down to. It's like you're on a team. And all the people against you are feuding with your team. And that's it. It's not about liking the guy or gal next to you. It's not about, oh, I love them. It's about, oh, hey, we're on a team, but we're just going to do our best because we all have these individual feuds, you know. And that's why this match was good. Because you in, in this match, you know, you've got Becky, Dewdrop, Tamina, and Zelina and Carmella on one side. So you've got the heel side versus the babyface side where you've got Liv, Bianca, Rhea, Nikki, and Dana. And hey, isn't it a little bit more intriguing when Bianca and Becky have had a lot of back and forth issues? Bianca and Drew Drop now have something going. Bianca and Carmella and Zelina interacted with each other a lot on SmackDown recently. So they've got a lot of chemistry and a lot of like sort of bad blood there. And Rhea and Nikki have been in the mix with Zelina and Carmella. It just it all makes sense. Everybody has built-in feuds, and so this match was actually I thought pretty good. I thought it was a lot of fun, and it you know ends up sort of getting a little schmozzy towards the end. But the baby faces get the win as they should. Liv, Rhea, Nikki, Bianca, and Dana, and uh, Liv gets a you know oblivion with the win. So. That's how you're supposed to build someone heading into a match. Yeah. Is she going to win? Was- Probably not. But at least she looks credible heading into the biggest match of her life. It, it was definitely better suited than the women's Survivor Series match. Uh, it was. It, there were some rough moments, but that's what happens when you have, what, 10 people uh, in, in the ring, but the right person won. Uh, and, yeah, it just it, – it, it means more when you have ongoing feuds because fans can pop when those two people 
interact with each other in the ring, right? It's very simple logic. It's not very difficult uh, if Dewdrop and Bianca are having a feud to put them in the ring a couple of times together in this match so you can get some some heat. And, and I just, sometimes we overthink it. I was a little worried earlier when we had this contract signing and Becky goes, and, and you know, I'm going to give you a chance to lead it. I said, oh, no. Oh, no, what are, we, what, what are we doing here? But it actually worked out okay. Like I said, there were some rough spots in the match, but the right This was won. so much better than trying to yes. put them on a tag team together, tag team. right? Yeah. This at least makes sense. Hey, you take, you go find your team. I'll find mine, and we'll let's go. Let's see who can do a better job of leading. Yeah, like, instead of Liv and Rhea versus, you know, uh, you know, Becky and, you know, Dewdrop or something like that that just didn't make absolutely any sense. No, no, and th- this was a better way of doing it. And you know what? They've done a good job with Liv. Over the- yeah. Liv and Tony, they're doing, like, Tony, we didn't like with the pie stuff, but they both feel a lot more important now than they did three weeks ago. Absolutely. So that's good for them as uh, we finish up with that title match, or with the main event match with the champ, Big E versus KO. It was not for the title, and you, you knew what was going to happen when it was a uh, KO wins to get in. Now I am glad that he didn't pin Biggie. Yes. I don't like when the we just said it with Britt Baker. I don't like when the champs get pinned and then they have to have a match against the person that just pinned them. I don't like that. It doesn't make a lot of sense because it's like if you just pin the champ, shouldn't you be the champ? Or like right. I just don't. <laughs> to me, it doesn't like have them beat somebody else to get into that title match. So you don't. Right. And you're the same way with me. In my head. I don't want to see the champion being pinned unless they're losing that title. Right. I just don't. It doesn't it doesn't sit well with me. So we get um Yeah, we get a, a, a you know with these three guys, like KO and Seth and Biggie are awesome. When in there's any combinations of the three of them, it's going to be really good. That was the case here. Biggie blocked a stunner, got super kicked by Owens, and then Rollins hits the ring and attacked KO, which was just sort of stupid. You know, because he knows that he's like, you're Rollins, you know what's going to happen. He's going to win the match by TQ, and now he's inserted. So, stupid bait, stupid heel, stupid criminal, Seth Rollins. But <laughs> we're getting we're getting set for um, a pay-per-view that we didn't expect. This is the first time we've ever had a, a New Year's Day pay-per-view like this. But I think, I do think it's kind of needed based on, like, the timing. I'm Normally, I wouldn't say you need another pay-per-view, but... We only had Survivor Series, nothing in December. Rumble is going to be at the very end of January. I think this this January first show will be a good place to blow off some of the feuds that might have needed it. Do you think we get a Becky Live rematch on on day one, or do you think we get a clean finish on Monday night? I think we get a rematch. Yeah, I think I we might too. get a Schmoz Becky cheats. Becky gets does something heelish, and then we get a no DQ match, or maybe. You know, or yeah, um, I, do, I do too. Something like that. I tell you what, I'm looking forward to it. January. Me too. 1st, look, there'll be some foot, good football games on, but kick back. WWE pay per view on holidays. I used to love the old Survivor Series on Thursday on Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving on the Thanksgiving. Day. Something about holiday wrestling makes it makes it really fun. It does, and now with the network, there's no reason, and they've done a few of them. Remember a, a few years ago, they did the Super Bowl halftime show. Oh yeah, that yeah. that match at halftime, the NXT match with Gargano and all of them. There's yeah. no reason why they can't do more of these type of events where they're not worried about getting a bunch of pay-per-view buys. 
because they can just do these on the on Peacock or on the network, you know, on the network like its own individual thing. You don't have to worry about selling a huge pay per view or getting a bunch of ratings on on TV for it, you know. So I'd love to see more of more of this kind of stuff as day one is coming up. But we got a pay per view coming up this weekend. Koopa Loop. It's NXT. We've got a war games. And uh, let's take a look at the NXT card for war games and we'll sort of discuss what happened on NXT as we uh, as we dive into the card. So I think we have five matches scheduled, it looks like, for NXT war games on Sunday. The first one will be the tag team titles, the Imperium uh, versus Kyle O'Reilly and Vaughn Wagner. O'Reilly and Vaughn get the win in the number one contenders match. And I mean, I'm sure this will be a fine match. Kyle is actually really good, but he was one of those that were uh, being rumored to have his contract up soon and possibly leave. I would not be shocked if this may end up being the end of Kyle O'Reilly in NXT. Yeah, I I, I, I think that. I think this is probably maybe he may have one more blow off match, but you know, maybe he has one with I, with Vaughn Wagner. Sure, because I think Wagner turns. Yeah, I do too. I think Wagner turns on him. Yeah, he turns on him, and or they don't win the match, and then he turns on him in in, in a singles capacity, right? But I yes, I yes. do think this may be it for Kyle O'Reilly, and he figures out if they're going to pull him up or if he's going to AEW or moving somewhere else, because he's another one that I do feel like this. A lot of what this War Games is is kind of a goodbye. To a lot of this NXT You know a lot of the old NXT And O'Reilly feels like one of them That may be getting that goodbye So I think Imperium probably wins here And it's more about the What's going on between O'Reilly and Von Wagner We get uh, Roderick with the Diamond Mine Versus Joe Gacy So he's waiving the cruiserweight uh, uh, The cruiserweight limit And Joe Gacy is going to be in here with the Diamond Mine So what do you think about this one? I think we're getting away with from the cruiserweight title here. I think Gacy wins. Um, unfortunately, I like Roderick Strong, but I think Gacy wins. I don't know what they do with this title. If it's open weight, open division, uh, I don't know what they, they call it. But I, 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 I think Joe Gacy wins this wins this match on on Sunday. I think they like Gacy. I think they like his character. There are enough people that hate him. Um, he gets enough heat. I, I think Gacy walks out of here as your new champion. I don't think it'll be a cruiserweight championship after this. That's my pick. Gacy for Cooper. <laughs> I, I don't. I'm totally split on this one because Gacy seems like like I like what they're doing with the Diamond Mine. They seem like a good faction, but they're not. It felt like about a month ago they were kind of peaking. They've been a little bit cold as of late. Gacy does seem like someone that they're really interested in. He's getting a lot of TV time. He gets a lot of opportunities. So I I would not be shocked if it is him, if it is Gacy. And we'll this will really be the probably the first opportunity we get to see him go. So we'll we'll see what he can do when he goes 15 or so with someone like Roderick Strong. The women's war game match, we actually had a a Ladder match to see who would gain the advantage Dakota Kai versus Kaylee Ray And Kaylee Ray Ends up getting the win She grabs the briefcase and she wins the War Games advantage Which is kind of interesting It's usually the heels that get it right Isn't it like always the heels yeah. that gain the advantage Because it's kind of like yeah. part of the, the shtick of it That's what's odd yeah 
So yeah, we'll see here. Maybe they'll find a way to work that into the match, but we will have Raquel, EO, Cora Jade, and Kaylee Ray versus Dakota Kai and Toxic Attraction in the women's war game match. This is a huge opportunity for Toxic Attraction for Mandy, Gigi, and JC. And I think we're going to see Dakota really shine because I think she's yeah, kind of the so veteran good. of that side and she'll be willing to maybe take a lot of bumps and do a lot of things on that side. So I'm. I'm actually really excited for this show overall. Yeah, I think it's going to be good on paper. And this match, I'm, I'm expecting a great performance from Toxic Attraction. I think they're going to show people that they can go in a match like this. And, and, and let's be honest, this is a big deal for them with Mandy now, uh, showing that they can be a faction that can compete in big matches with top level talent. You know, EO is going to do some crazy something oh, yeah. insane. Something insane. And this is another one that feels like if we saw Raquel, EO, Dakota all come up in the Women's Royal Rumble or very soon, that wouldn't surprise me. Not one bit, especially Dakota, because she was rumored to be drafted and she is so good. I'd like to see her. Her on SmackDown, man. I really would. I really would like to see her on SmackDown. Who? who what? Zia Lee is Raw, right? She, she's the vignettes that have been on Raw, which have been really, really good. Um, no, no, no. Excuse me. She's SmackDown. SmackDown. Yeah, she's those SmackDown. Vignettes, those they're vignettes been... are really, really solid that they've been doing for her, man. They're telling these stories. She was bullied. Um, it turned her into a monster. I would like to see something Dakota Kai do the same thing. Uh, and, and, and smack down with this, but she's a main roster player here, man. She's, this is probably the one match I'm, I'm looking I look, I'm looking forward to the hair versus hair. It's not going to be the greatest wrestling match of all time, but I am, I, I think the women's match and the Grimes Hudson match. I'm really looking forward to. Yep. Grimes faced, uh, Andre chase. He got the win on NXT. And then afterwards Hudson was putting up the Photoshop images of him. that looked like guess who, where he's got like these different haircuts on his face. You remember that game? Guess who? Oh yeah, with, yeah. With, the, with the little heads and they pull up the. So Hudson, Hudson has that something, you know. Like there's definitely something with here, but he's super rough around the edges. He is when he when he talks. He he even has a little like he's not as charismatic or anything, but he's got a little like L.A. Knight look to him almost. You know, like there's something about Hudson that you go, okay, he's got a look. He's got a good voice and he's good in the ring, but he's got a, he just seems like someone who hasn't cut a bunch of promos in his life. He doesn't, you know, he, he's got to find his voice and his, and his, um, uh, a little bit more, but I love Grimes right now. Gosh, I love Grimes again right now, man. He has been over the last year, probably one of my favorite characters in all of wrestling with the, the, the stuff that he was doing with DiBiase and LA Knight. And now again, after this haircut, he seems just, I don't know if it's a little bit more relatable. He He's like better. He looks better looking and stuff. He looks more like a star. And I know people would say he's more relatable with the beard and stuff. But he, it, that was almost like he was trying too hard to be like a troll kind of thing. Yeah. Like, yeah. He, he's actually a pretty good looking dude. You know what I mean? You look at him here. He's got he like, he's just got that it. And I like, I like this too. I'm with you. This is probably one of the matches that I'm the most interested and excited for. On the uh, on the card this weekend, we do we are getting some vignettes, uh, Coop, for some new faces on NXT. So what do we we saw? Edris Enfo 
Which uh, was and, fantastic. Enofe. Enofe. Yeah. Was a damn match. I know. That's what. Ah, uh, that's a killer to me, man. Me too. I. I see he's gonna prove the doubters wrong, and then I. I didn't understand. Sokoa. Yeah, I didn't. I didn't understand that because I thought I like. I like the look of him, and I like when we get to see these these vignettes. Did we get? There was the girl. You mentioned the girl too. What's Tiffany the name of the Stratton man? Tiffany Stratton. Yeah. Yeah, she looks smoke show, man. She looks really good. Gorgeous, got a good look. So some new blood coming and then, up. Uh, Draco Anthony, that's a kid from Houston, Texas. I've seen him train. I've seen him on a couple of shows. Um, I mean, it wasn't anything. It wasn't a super vignette, but he was. Uh, I think that vignette was right before the Breaker Gargano match. Um, but Draco Anthony is a young, good-looking, tall kid that was invited. He was. He was one of the tryout guys, and uh, he's from Houston, and uh, he's going to be really, really long, tall, rangy, athletic. Uh, they're really, really high on him from what I've been told. We got the promo where Team New School, Braun Breaker, <laughs> North, uh, Carmelo Hayes, Tony D'Angelo, and Grayson Waller come out, and they basically just call out the uh, the old guard. Team New School has slapped Team Old School hot dogs and handshakes. And it, it said uh, Breaker tells Ciampa that he's coming for the title after New School wins at War Games. And uh, Tony D'Angelo says, hey, you, gotta, you better bring your best, man, because you guys paved the road. You paved the roads here, but if you don't, I'm going to take you out there. I'm going to take you out back, and you're going to be sleeping <laughs> with the fishes. You'll be sleeping with the fishes out there. So, uh, yeah, they cut their their little promo here. And we found out that it's going to be Gargano Breaker in the main event, and the winner of that will get the uh, get the advantage. So when when the new school comes out, or when when uh, when they the old school, I guess, comes out, Johnny's getting the Johnny wrestling chance. He calls Braun the big bad booty nephew, which was <laughs> that was just, fantastic. It was it? great, and that got Braun like frazzled a little bit, and they end up uh they end up having their match. In the main event And the match was really good As you would expect from you know from these two guys uh, Coop Braun gets the win and that, that makes sense though Because that's the heel team They're supposed to gain the advantage They're laying it in like the heel team The new guys who didn't want to um, Who didn't want to earn their stripes You know they just want to take what's not really theirs yet As This build up Might have been thrown together a little bit quick But it does remind me, just like what I was saying, of an old Survivor Series matchup. In yes. that, maybe it doesn't make sense why all of these guys are together on a team. But if you're just looking at it from a, hey, they're set up against the person that they're feuding with. So that totally makes sense. Individually, we've had Chompo, Chompa, and Braun Breaker going at it. We've had Gargano and Pete going at it with Carmelo. And and now Tony D'Angelo is going to be in the mix with them We've had LA Knight going at it with Grayson Waller So it makes total sense The way they're all slotted And in that I'm I'm becoming more and more Okay with it because Everybody's it was just like they had four, Three or four feuds that they decided to Put together for war games Here and You know we continued on with uh, The MSK vignettes The uh, the shaman As they uh, they may <laughs> have found close. The shaman they may have found the shaman here And uh Yeah we I think that was most of uh Zion Quinn Interacting with the Legado del Fantasma A little bit so 
we know that they're kind of playing along uh, on a storyline there. That was in the match where Von Rag- uh, Von Wagner and Kyle O'Reilly end up winning. And uh, yeah, that's after we saw the Stratton vignette. We got the Joe Gacy all inclusive invitational, which just makes me laugh. The uh, the name of that, <laughs> and uh, and then uh, yeah, Solo Sokoa feels like someone that they're pretty high on because uh, yeah. he picked up a a big win there. Um, I mean, lots lots of moving pieces still on NXT, even with a, a show they were building for this weekend. And I think Loomis is is like Michael Myers. He's escaping hospitals and stuff now. <laughs> you know, <laughs> the, I, Loomis is is excited because Dexter Newblood right now on Showtime yeah, on it. Sunday night. So he's a uh, Dexter and those serial killers. They're 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 it's their time right now for the Dexters <laughs> of, of the world. <laughs> and uh, I think with. All of uh, of what we're seeing right now on NXT, and as we went through this this card, so it's five matches on the card: the men's and the women's four games match, Grimes versus Hudson, Strong versus Joe Gacy, and Imperium versus Kyle O'Reilly and Von Wagner. We the question that we are going to ask with a lot of them is: these veterans are are some of these veterans are they just going to be veterans in NXT forever? And that's fine if they are, because every company can't just be a bunch of new people. You need veterans to work with. You need veterans to to build off. You need some names of people that that people know Champa and Gargano, and they'll still tune in to watch them. Or was this like the very end of this NXT? Were, were these last two months just because you can't completely, like I said, you can't completely cut everybody out right off the bat. Now, at least if they want to move up Champa. And Gargano and this whole team black and gold done in LA night. I don't think they're gonna move all of them up. But if they wanted to, let's say all four of those guys show up in the Royal Rumble, at least we've had a few months of starting to get to know the new NXT. Right. So we've we've gotten relation we've developed some ill relationships at least with Braun Breaker. We know Joe Gacy, we know some of these new um, NXT talents. I actually have no idea, Coop. Because we didn't know that that changes to NXT were going to come when they did. They kind of came out of nowhere, and it's like NXT is going to be completely changed and go back to, you know, a not not like their third brand. So this is their first real pay per view. They had the Halloween Havoc show, but this is the first real pay per view. War Games. We'll see what they do, and I'm very interested in the next month or so of NXT. What's going to happen with a lot of these veterans who feel like. Maybe they are ready to, uh, to either move up or move out. You know, go to AEW if they're not going to be getting pulled up to the main roster. Go to Impact. Go somewhere else. Like I said last week uh, on the podcast, I think this is a pretty pivotal moment here for NXT 2.0 with the show. The only game in town. Uh, it's you know the old guard versus the new guard, so to speak. Um, I. I you know, it's only five matches. They're going to get plenty of time. Uh, I don't know if we'll have any surprises. Uh, anybody show up. I don't feel like that's this type of pay-per-view. Um, but it's going to be a bar setter uh, going forward. You know, NXT had a pretty dis- decent number on Tuesday night. They were almost at 700,000. Um, that's pretty good for them. 
uh, going, you know, each week they've been in the five hundreds, uh, almost at 700,000 is a pretty good sign. And all of their takeovers have been phenomenal. They've dominated the weekends. Even when WWE had big pay-per-views that weekend, the takeovers were always the tone setter. And I think this is, uh, there's a lot of pressure on some NXT folks and the upper brass and on this roster that this is their time to shine because everyone, if you're a wrestling fan, it's the only game in town and you will be watching this on Sunday night. And we will be watching and we're going to be talking about it with you next week right here on This Week in Wrestling with Chad Cooper on That's What G Said. Koopa Loop, my man. Thank you so much. There was a lot to cover this week. We got to get into deep into everything happening in AEW since we missed that last week. And Next week, we'll be recapping, reacting, and reflecting on War Games. War Games! A couple things to mention. For those of you listening, if you didn't catch the news, uh, one of the websites that I do some work with, Better Than Vegas, brought in Kurt Angle! You suck, dude! You suck! Oh, it's true, Jim! It's damn true! So Kurt Angle is going to be uh, helping out over the next couple months on the website Better Than Dot Vegas. We're going to do a, a Royal Rumble, I think a pre-show and a post-show, probably oh, uh, one for WrestleMania uh, before on video. Kurt's actually going to help us with some of the NFL playoff weekends too. He's going to pop on and 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 share some thoughts on uh, some of the NFL games and uh, and talk with us when we have the live streams. I think for the conference championship and then for Super Bowl stuff. So if you're a wrestling fan. Uh, Kurt Angle, one of the all-time greatest. Coop, I mean, I'm geeking out. I'm barking out. Heck yeah. To talk with Kurt. And Kurt is, I mean, when you talk about some of the most well-balanced, all-around pro wrestlers in history. Because people, when they make the Mount Rushmore, Hulk Hogan's going to be on a lot of people's list. But I don't think anybody would ever say Hulk Hogan was the greatest in-ring worker in the world. That wasn't what Hulk Hogan was about. When you look at some of the guys and gals out there that people hold up on Mount Rushmore, it's because they could do it all, all of it. You look at Ric Flair, great in the ring, great cutting a promo, great with the character. Flair could do it all. You look, you know, um, you look at Macho Man, same thing, could do it all. Absolutely. Man, what could Kurt Angle not do? Even his run as the GM was fantastic. The funny, the calm, dude. I'm thinking of the matches are incredible. Within one year, he's the champ and he's beating The Rock and Austin within a year of being there. And then he's doing the skits with Austin and McMahon with the guitar and he's got the cowboy hat on. Cowboy Crackhorn and I don't care. (laughs) Jimmy Crackhorn. And then my favorite of all, when he brings out the milk truck. And oh, he's yeah. got the milk truck, and they're oh, just blasting. Yeah. He's throwing the cartons of milk at him. And, man, they were going through some of them. I was watching. There. He's got the wraps with John Cena. He's wearing the sweatsuit, and he's doing the wrap oh, yeah. out there. And then he's got the wig on. Remember the head? The, yeah, yes. after, after the hair versus hair, he's wearing the, the wig. And, yeah. and the head gear, and he wouldn't take it off. And, uh, <laughs> man, it was so many. And even just the like the stuff with Edge and Christian. Like, oh yeah, your yeah. interactions backstage, the the like, hey, you suck. That was how it all started. You yeah. suck, suck, you suck, <laughs> you suck, and they kept and man, I am uh, I'm really pumped. This is gonna be a lot of fun to get to interact with Kurt 
angle. So make sure to come and check us out over at better than dot Vegas coop. I actually have one for you this week. How about that? And I oh! want to know, I want to know if you have a a play for me. If you do have a play for us, we'd love to hear them. But I've kind of got one for you. So big news in the world of college football recently where a lot of coaches have moved. And you actually were the first person to alert me to the the feelers out there that Lincoln Riley might be coming to USC. And then, boom, it was like there was one tweet and then it was just it was happening. It was was over. It was crazy (laughs) how quick that was. So here's what I Here's what I know. Right now, USC this weekend has a makeup game. They they play they their game against Cal got canceled and they are playing that game this weekend. And both of those teams are bad this year. They both had really bad years. It's at Cal. Cal's a 4-point favorite. Whoa. I've actually heard and read that Lincoln Riley has been out at the USC practices this week already. Now, Whoa. He, he is not like Running the team, prepping them for this week's game, but he is at the school, at the practices, out there. Now, if I was one of those players on this USC team, wouldn't you be pretty fired up to sort of feel like you got a chance, like a like a trial? This is your interview this week, where yeah. this coach is going to watch you because. He's going to be bringing in his own guys, his own recruits. There are going to be probably a lot of people on this USC team this year that may not be back next year. Or if they are, they're not going to have their starting spots or big, big, big opportunities. I think at anything over a field goal, you got to take the Trojans this week. I think you got to with the with the opportunity that some of these players could be playing for their life, for their livelihood moving forward, really wanting to prove it. And the whole vibe, the whole feel around USC over the last week, it's just this energy is back that hasn't been there for a decade. I, I Man, I, I don't think this team is good. I don't think you'll never hear me over the last few years say anything great about the Clay Helton era and the stuff that happened. I think that this might be a sneaky spot to play the Trojans this week when they've got all this buzz. What the hell is Cal playing for? (laughs) They don't care what ends up happening, but some of these guys on USC might actually be playing for something. I'm going to play my Trojans and I'm going to take them. If it's as long as you get it over a field goal, I'm fine with that because the Trojan could still lose a close game and you could still cover in that case. So, man, um, it's a Pac 12 after dark game, too. Yep. FS1. Those are, those are fun and entertaining. Easy stuff happens. Those games, man. There's some crazy. That's great. Not only am I going to bet that, I'm going to bet the money line too. I, there, there's not a game that I don't like. Absolutely, ever. right? <laughs> Absolutely. You got any? Uh, the last, I mean, and for you, you're you're be, you being down there in Bro. that area, Texas, Louisiana, Oklahoma, all right next to you. You know the Oklahoma well. Baker Mayfield was over there before, and Lincoln Riley's leaving. Man, I got to say, those Oklahoma fans were really. <laughs> <laughs> not they not know. only not only were they disheartened, uh, LSU it was that was LSU's guy. He would he I mean there was a an atomic bomb and look, don't believe anything what you say when a coach says I you know hey look I didn't talk to this school on Sunday. He may have not have talked to him, but that's what their agents get paid to do. He he was. The guy for LSU. LSU, this is twice LSU has been left at the altar. The first time it kind of worked out for him was Tom Herman. Tom Herman used LSU, or his agent used LSU, to get the University of Texas job. And they put it out there on Thanksgiving night. 
that he was going to take the LSU job, and that's when Texas says, okay, we're firing Charlie Strong. You can come here, and it worked out. This this was they were ready to pull the trigger, and he just said, you know, LSU is going to pay you $100 million, but I just didn't understand the move. If you're going to be in that conference with them, you live in a kingdom in Oklahoma, right? And I'm not and I'm not comparing Norman, Oklahoma to Los Angeles. I'm just saying he has everything that he needs in Oklahoma. But why would you go well, to Oklahoma? It's, all, it's, it's the Thunder and then Oklahoma. Oklahoma, that's it. That's it. Look, Oklahoma State and Stillwater is trying to do things. I think they beat Baylor this weekend. They're trying, but they're never going to live up year after year into into their big brothers at, at Oklahoma. So I don't know why you would go to LSU um, in the same conference and you're going to have to face the same teams. And in two or three years, LSU will fire you if you don't win a national championship. Hell, they just fired Ogeron, who just won a national just championship. Won. To you, and they beat Texas A&M, which is crazy. But Brian Kelly going, uh, but there is some interesting setups this, this weekend with coaches. Um, you know, uh, Michigan is a big favorite. They've already you know, do they flop a little bit against Iowa? You know, they're giving 10, 11 points. You know, Pitt and Wake Forest, I think they score a bunch of points. Hey, everyone has already put in Cincinnati going into the college football playoffs. And they very well, very well be there on Sunday night. But let me tell you, my Houston fighting Cougars yep. are 10 and a half point dogs. That's too much. It's they too much. have the best freshman running back, or one of the best. It, it, this dude returns, but you know, I, I think Houston of all people can cover that. And I also like a Friday night game. I like Western Kentucky at UT San Antonio, who got embarrassed last week against North Texas. I think UT San Antonio has been a faker all year. Western Kentucky, they played once. It was fifty-two to forty-six. They lost on a last, you know, gimmick type deal. Those are games I like, and. Uh, you know what? Hey, the one, the, the great sublime once said, I've seen better days. And you know what? I'm going to see a better day. I'm going to play USC. I'm going to play the Houston Cougars. And I'm going to play is, the Hilltoppers of Western Kentucky. And this is this is a great – this is what we need because I'm going to help you with the Trojans. You're going to help me Absolutely. with the Cougs. We're going to help yes. each other there. And then yes. we're going to go top the hills afterwards yes, together. Yeah, we're going to do it. It's going to be a team effort With here. a broken freaking neck. With a broken freaking <laughs> neck. Do, 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 do. You suck. Oh, I'm excited. We're excited. Chad Coop, you find him every week here on That's What G Said. And uh, love you, brother. Thanks for helping out again so much this week. And uh, we'll talk some NXT war games next weekend. And let's get a couple wins there in, uh, in college football this week. You got it, Gino. Do not go anywhere, folks. We still have plenty more to come. You can hear the gardeners in the background, so that means the time <laughs> is up. My time is up. You can't see me no more, but you can see us in just a second. We'll be right back on That's What She Said. Loop. Chad Cooper helping us out uh, again every single week with this week in wrestling with Chad Cooper. Big thanks to Loop. Big thanks to Eric for helping us out with NFL uh, each and every week. Already in week 13, and very cool to see Gulfstream Park and Oaklawn opening up. That kind of shifts the the seasons changing, and we know Santa Anita 
just a few weeks away. Sam Houston, just a few weeks away. Those are two tracks that you're going to hear a lot of right here on That's What G Said. And that will do it for us, folks. Hope you have a great weekend coming up. We'll be back next week with plenty more. Don't forget, you can find me on BTV Bets or on Twitter. It's me, Gino B., on Sunday morning, 11 a.m. Eastern Time, where we go through the entire Sunday football slate with all the updated numbers, injury news, and everything. So you can check that out. It's a free live video stream. All you have to do is head on over to Twitter, and it'll pop up for you right at 11 a.m. Eastern Time. Good luck this weekend, Joey buddy. Let's close it out.